Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No, because I'm going to get him. Welcome to this edition of the Hagman Report. It is Tuesday, March 20th, the day before spring begins, 2018. I want to welcome everyone to our program. I want to thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for your belief and your trust in us. Not uh, Certainly not a shortage of headlines, including mentioning spring tomorrow. Uh, we've got a nor'easter, another one of these uh, monster uh, storms, uh, set for the east up to 16 inches expected along I-95. And also what you're not seeing that you will start to see uh, starting yep. tomorrow and Thursday is a huge rainstorm slight, uh, scheduled for Southern California. Okay. Uh, 24 to 36 hour torrential rain falls up to 12 inches rain possible. And for you out there who live out there, you know how much damage that can do to a drought-stricken, fire-burned region. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's, but that will uh, be in the news later in the week. Okay, all right. You know, there's so much to get into. Um, I, again, I want to thank everyone for joining us. Thank you so much for, for tuning in. Yeah, Doug Hagman, Radio Show, 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern Time. Uh, I, I invite everyone to just have a listen to that program and, of course, also invite everyone to listen to the Hagman Daily Show. That's from 2 to 3. The venue is Global Star Radio as well as Blog Talk Radio. We do ask that you follow us. Follow both shows raises the visibility of the of the show, and uh, it makes a big difference in demographics. So, um, having said that, again, the Doug Hagman Radio Show from nine to ten, and uh, that's Monday through Friday, as well as the Hagman Daily Show from two to three. In addition to our flagship show, seven to ten, Eastern Time, Global Star Radio Network, BTR, as well as YouTube Live. We have all the venues covered for our flagship show. A lot of information to get into, of course. We've got more uh, package bombs in Austin. You've got um, uh, a number of very disturbing things taking place domestically as well as internationally. Uh, you know, where to begin, it's it's uh, a little bit rough uh, doing the triage on the news. But uh, one, a couple of things that really... Um, kind of one thing that that's really sticking out at me is this, and and I would just urge in the larger sense people watch for this. You go after the First Amendment, they're going to come for your the, the Second Amendment's in the crosshairs. They go after the Second Amendment, the First Amendment's in the crosshairs. Um, all the amendments, of course, the Bill of Rights are important, but I, I just want to really remind everyone that there is a war on domestically against the Bill of Rights. Don't forget John Brennan, CIA director, took an oath of office as the CIA director on the Constitution, not on the Bible, but on the Constitution minus the Bill of Rights. Of course, this is the same John Brennan who voted for a Communist USA party member back in 1980. Yeah, the same, same John Brennan. And, of course, the Brennan under Obama in the CIA, Department of the CIA, and, of course, National Security Advisor for Obama during his campaign in 2008, uh, deep state denizen to be sure. Uh, for those tuning in, attempting to adjust your, adjust your video on YouTube, I want to remind everyone that we are 
of course, uh, going into uh, throwback mode this week for a couple of reasons. And I've gotten emails saying, why aren't you in video? Why aren't you in video? Well, well there's a couple of things taking place. Uh, really, I'm going to just give you two primary reasons. Number one, your support has helped us so very much. We're making changes behind the scenes here. That doesn't mean that when we come back on, you're going to see a new studio. It means that we are hardening our forces here. Because with with censorship, um, if we could do an entire show on what is taking place with censorship, censorship of alternative media news outlets. Anyone who does not toe the uh, the globalist line, we're all under attack. So there are things that we're doing behind the scenes that we need this time on air to do. Again, it doesn't mean that when we come back, you're going to see, you know, a Fox-like news set. That's not how we are spending our money. And I really want to give this message out there. How we're spending our money is a way to ensure or assure you that we we will be on the air despite attacks, despite the attempts to take us down both surreptitiously or covertly, uh, as well as through litigation or any other means, that we will be there. So that's one reason, uh, of course. And this, there, there's a couple more reasons as well, but that's the primary reason, and that is because of your generous support of this program. And this also gives us an opportunity as well to to kind of go back to our roots a little bit, concentrate on really what's important, gives us more time to focus on the in-depth research that we need to prepare for other things. So, long story short, that's kind of what we're what's what's going on behind the scenes. You may not understand it, others may not understand it, but if you sit where we sit, you would understand it because, look, we are we are in a war right now, like no other. Um, just simply because President Donald Trump won the election does not mean that the deep state is not active. The deep state is active, and everyone is a target. As I like to remind people, you will be a target if you're not one now. Posting on social networking sites, you're in the crosshairs, especially if you are conservatively biased or spiritually biased to Christianity. And I'm not using biased as a pejorative here. It's just a, a way of, uh, uh, it's a descriptive term. So having said that, just understand we're fighting the battles, uh, both for us and for you and, uh, for others. Because the wars, the wars waging out there, raging out there, I should say. A couple of disturbing things. Joe, I don't know whether you saw this and we didn't really talk before the program. Um, UK. I mean, there's so many things on a social level. Now, look, war seems to be on the horizon against, uh, you know, with, with a global war beginning in Syria. We know that. But there are other things that are, uh, that I looked at. For example, a couple of headlines. San Francisco. And, and again, you might think, well, these are just, these are just kind of cushy headlines that are meaningless. San Francisco expecting expected to ban fur sales. Now, I, I don't have a dog in this fight. I don't wear fur. My wife doesn't wear fur. I don't know anyone who wears fur, really. No, I don't. Okay, know. but 
think about the process or think about the uh, the mentality behind that. Right. Okay. That's what's important. Not the the fur. Not not the. It's what's behind that. Um, you've got uh, city votes to opt out of sanctuary law. This is off a of drudge, for yeah. example. Um, which you're looking at Orange County, uh, their smallest uh, uh, community there in Orange, or second smallest city. They voted last night to exempt itself from California's so-called sanctuary law, which limits cooperation between local agencies and federal immigration authorities. Why is this important? Well, you're seeing this division, this ideological divide that was, that will be, I believe, Obama's legend. The legend of Barack Hussein Obama. What did he leave this country? What legend did he leave this country? A divided nation. Uh, 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 people blame Donald Trump for the division we're seeing right now. That division, I believe, was sown and solidified by uh, by uh, Barack Hussein Obama, Barry Satoro, and it's being done deliberately. And one thing I mentioned, and I'm going to turn it over to you, Joe. One thing I mentioned during my morning show is uh, when you when you look at the and we spoke about this last night a little bit. When you look at what, what's taking place or what has taken place, the the revolt, the coup against Donald Trump as a candidate and then as a president and the ongoing coup and the inflammatory rhetoric taking place out there that's going on, especially at the higher levels of government, you're you're seeing this divide, this abyss that's that's widening. And to me, this represents one of the biggest national security threats in, in, in of our time. And why do I say national security threats? Is because a divided country, as we're seeing right now, how do we handle any outside threats if we are so divided? And the rhetoric against the Bill of Rights, the entire Bill of Rights, the rhetoric against the Second Amendment, the rhetoric against the First Amendment, in this country has never been so severe. And tonight's show, we're going to be talking about some of these issues. Our number two, uh, a young man that, that we had the pleasure of having in our office, Anthony, uh, Joe, t- help me out with his last name. I don't Stay with me now. Okay. Card- Cardonaga. Cardonaga. I, Anthony I, Cardonaga. Okay, Anthony Cardonega. I always say Cordonega, but it's Cardonega. Yeah, yeah. He's going to be with us in hour two, and in hour three, of course, Stan, uh, Stan Dale. But, but, you know, uh, again, these headlines are disturbing. Imagine seeing headlines like this, uh, or at least the, uh, the sum total of these headlines, even five years ago, or ten years ago. It's just, it, wow. Uh, so, so pay attention to what's happening, please. Uh, but, but again, going back to what I was saying earlier about, about what I said last night and about, about my show this morning, what is really going on here, I truly believe we have seen, we are in the final phase. The United States of America is in the final phase, and that is a, the do or die moment where we either reject the ideological, the uh, ideology of, of the Stalinist infiltration that we've seen happen over the last hundred years well I'll say in earnest 50 years post World War II perhaps 
we saw this communist infiltration in, into our country to the highest levels of our gov- country, starting at the State Department. Now we're seeing the generational uh, cap or the generational results. So when you look at everything, uh, you're, you're seeing multi-generational ideological uh, growth of this Stalinist movement, this communist movement. And it's really been left unchecked, even under George W. Bush, George H. W. Bush, one one could argue that they were part of this this movement as globalists. But until the presidency of Donald Trump, where people, where Donald Trump, who's not a politician, who's just a, a guy who speaks what is on the minds of people in in anywhere in the country other than the urban areas where the, the people in urban areas such as New York uh and I could I could attest New York City just ask anyone in New York City they're smarter than anyone else in the country they live in the city they're more intelligent they have all the answers the same with Los Angeles and Miami and and all of the big cities but that the, there's the divide there is the um the the push the ideological uh divide that we're seeing so bottom line um we are at war inside the united states and stan i'm sure is going to be talking about ben salman mounting this uh well jared kushner and uh mm-hmm. ben salman i'm sure is going to be talking about that and, and some other things so joe i'm going to just open it up and, and again thank you so very much to everyone who is supporting us again this is throwback week we are off video audio only hardening up our resources because I'm going to tell you we are in this for the long haul we will stand for every Christian conservative out there we will stand for every Christian conservative who's got a Facebook post or a Facebook account or a a social media account or a YouTube uh, page or a web page it's about time that we all stand together as Christians and as conservatives and by the way it's about time that we start fighting back against those who are attempting to take us down and that's what we're doing we're fighting back so and you mentioned you want to fight we're going to fight go ahead some of the pushback interesting to see in California as uh, you see local regions voting to opt out of the sanctuary policies and laws enacted by the state now Orange County's second smallest city voted Monday night to exempt itself from California's so-called sanctuary city laws, which limits cooperation between local and federal immigration authorities. Yep. They voted 4-1, to one, following more than two hours of heated testimony. And I don't know how many people have seen, this This is not getting a lot of attention today. There's a, a link on Drudge Report to ocregister.com. There is a video where you can see um, some of the back and forth uh, uh, from people arguing. But, you know, just a little glimmer of hope for Californians. And for people who've been paying attention that, you know, everyone in California is not, you know, uh, far left of Hillary Clinton and their political beliefs. Now, moving forward, uh, through some of the other things you mentioned, we will talk with, with Anthony about, about you, you know what though? I, I want to say this. I, I got a, just a wonderful email from a, from a woman, um, I'm not going to mention her name, but she was saying, hey, don't talk about all Californians oh, like you do. I get that from John, too. Okay. Uh, and, and, and you know what? You're right. No, they're right. They they're, right. they're absolutely correct. I guess we shouldn't call it California, Stan. And, uh, right, uh, right. You know, and and it's a beautiful state, and there are a lot of freedom-loving, constitutional-loving people in California. 
Yeah, especially God-fearing uh, people throughout the the heart of the state, right? And in the north, and and it is very true, and it's unfortunate that you know the the coastal areas like New York, New York, it's a bad name because of New York City. The rest of the the state really doesn't like the the people in New York City for the most part, but um, no, it it is not all or nothing in, in California, and there are a lot of uh, conservatives that are there. So we can, and I've seen emails and, and people's comments saying you you gotta you gotta ease up on California. Well, you and know, that's understandable. It, we do have to make the distinction. Yeah, and and I don't think it's it's fair to make broad you know statements with broad strokes like that. Um, and I agree. So, so yeah, exactly. But okay, but, but, so. but a message. But but I just want to say this because I just saw this flash across. Uh, a message to those people who are attempting to shut us down in 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 all ways. Okay, this is a new day and a new time. Just understand that. Um, you've got no idea what you're in for. You have no idea what you are in for. Let me say that a third time. You've got no idea what you're in for. Take that for what you will. But you want to shut us down? I guarantee you. We will respond. Yeah. So with, uh, what, seven minutes left before the break, if we're going to take a break, we have, uh, I, I want to make sure we touch on this. Uh, we, we, not touch on this, we talk about this. The, uh, first and foremost thing that is on my mind today, and maybe it's because of the divisive politics that we constantly talk about, but you have this serial bombing incident unfolding in Austin, Texas. And with all the, the divisive politics we see, uh, it's easy for somebody like me who follows the news constantly to get wrapped up in, in a story like the bombings. And leave everything else. Uh, leave leave the collusion. Leave the the FBI and the Mueller, and just you know want to to learn more about what's going on in Austin. You know, Joe. Let me ask you a question though about these bombings. Is there is there any way we could talk about these bombings without um, jeopardizing the police investigation? Oh okay. yeah, we can. Okay, all right. I mean, there's okay. people who are commenting all over Twitter from congressmen saying that they've obtained surveillance videos that could possibly show a suspect. Uh, what happened after uh, yesterday's? Or, or Sunday evening's tripwire explosion, which was the fourth bombing in Austin, you had a package that was ex- uh, detonated somehow, mistakenly, I believe, on a conveyor belt system in a FedEx building just outside of San Antonio. Now, there are reports that a, another package or device was found in that location, and the authorities have confiscated it. Now, I've seen... Uh, People saying that they're going to detonate it, but I don't believe that to be true, not before they do a number of things to it. And if the law enforcement officials did obtain a undetonated device, will they have a much better chance of catching him? We believe so. But, I mean, what do we know about the, 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 this investigation? Law enforcement is keeping very tight-lipped, as they should, about this. They're not. Uh, they're asking for the, the uh, person who's committing these crimes to contact them. They don't understand the ideology or motivation, so it's hard to, to create a profile based on that. But if you had to, if I had to, I did this on earlier show, you know, if we had to create like a preliminary profile, I'd say the person's probably white, obviously a man, anywhere from, you know, 25 to, to 55, probably divorced. Narrows it down. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Uh, it's not much to go on, not anything to go on, but just from what we've seen throughout history. I, um, I, I got a really, I, I have a theory about, or when I say a theory, I guess it would be a theory. And it, think about Austin. 
Okay, just think about Austin. What's there? Who's there? Mm, maybe, you know, maybe I mean, not. look, I, you know, um, and, and what's the hot, what are the hot button issues right now? The first and second amendment. Uh, I, look, I don't, I don't know. I, I just well, don't the know. Problem, I mean, we can speculate all day on, on, it could be this Infowars had an article up earlier. Uh, was this guy triggered or did he, uh, buy into the new Netflix series on the Unabomber called Manhunt? Did that, uh, you know, create this, this need for or, or urge for him to, to start doing this? Maybe he's a lot more sophisticated and well organized than, uh, what it initially looked like. We've already seen two dead, many injured, and over five devices detonated in only 17 days, which is a very short time for, uh, somebody like this. And we went over past, uh, you know, bombers on our previous show from the Unabomber to the, uh, Olympic bombings to, uh, Timothy McVeigh and the Sarnev brothers. But, uh, this guy seems to be ratcheting up. And if this person is sophisticated and experienced, if he's using mercury switches in the, in the, to detonate these devices, then that is another layer of sophistication that, uh, hopefully the law enforcement has evidence. Because if they don't have any evidence at this moment, these are going to continue. They're going to increase. Uh, this guy is going to continue to, to grow and morph to see what works and what doesn't work. And he will continue, uh, no doubt about it. He definitely has a point to prove. And it's a very dangerous situation down there. I've, I've read today over a hundred reports of law enforcement personnel being dispatched to different parts of the cities for, you know, unattended suitcases and, uh, suspicious packages on and on and on. You're going to have this constant heightened sense of alert down there. And you're going to have people looking under every rock for, uh, you know, undetonated parcels. So no, you're going to have all this confusion. Things are going to be yeah. shut down. Things are going to, it's not going to go well. And, uh, law enforcement really needs to, to track this person down and catch them. Now, President Trump made a comment on this today where he said he wasn't, he said that we're going to track these sick person or persons down. Now, I don't know that the law enforcement community would, Update him or brief him or, or even well, if there was one. I, I can tell you this, Joe. I get say that. But I get law enforcement bulletins. You know the law enforcement enforcement bullet. Yeah, law enforcement bulletins we get. Okay, but do you think there's um, anything to him saying person versus person? No, okay. no. Don't read it. Right. Do not read anything into that. Right. So we don't know. I mean, was they have not con- confirmed that these are all connected? But from everything I've read, all the bombs were had the same similarities, nails and and whatnot in the devices, and uh, they also increased in their sophistication as time went on. Now, my question is, did this person build these before? How many did he build? And if so, uh, you know, this will give you some more insight into what you have, uh, what what his next plans are. Or is he building them on the fly, which I have no reason to believe that. No, no. I can tell you with absolute certainty, based on the law enforcement bulletins I've seen, that this this is not on the fly. Nothing is on the fly on this one. So no, and it wouldn't make sense really to do that because you're putting yourself in unnecessary danger if you're the bomber. And uh, they they just have to they have to figure out how this guy is getting around and how he's delivering these. Is it is he doing it personally? Is there somebody helping him? He seems to from everything I've read today, and especially from people in Austin, he's avoiding certain areas, especially the higher. Uh, uh, I don't know, the downtown areas, the areas of the city that have higher number of surveillance cameras and uh, it seems to be focusing on uh, more of the disenfranchised areas or the poorer areas, as one resident put it. 
that I spoke with earlier today. But this is going to continue, and it's uh, to me, it's a very intriguing um, and, and crime and, and something I love to follow these these mysteries. It's unfortunate for anybody who lives uh, in that area, and, and we will continue to to, to pray. But um, you know, you know this I, is going to get worse before you, it gets better. I, I've got a, I've got a law enforcement bulletin that's not classified. It's not. It's. It, there's a profile. I have not showed anyone. Okay, what uh, of the shoot of this? Uh, what they believe? Yeah. Can they but, determine a profile without an ideology or motive? Or um, if there is. Well, and therein lies the issue. Okay, it's 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 got so many. Um, uh, what would you call them? Uh, so many disclaimers. The profile has so many disclaimers that it really it it's, doesn't even read. Like a normal profile, because how many? What was the? What was that show uh, about profiling? Um, I don't know. If it's, criminal if it's, minds. Yeah, criminal minds. Okay. I mean, that's a TV show. It does right. go through a lot of However, profiling things, but they're not. No, I've dealt with the, the FBI profiles uh, profilers on a couple of murder cases, and and sometimes they're dead dead on. Um, in this case, however, I've never seen a report like this with so many disclaimers. So. That's why I'm not even kind of, um, I don't know. I don't think it would do any good. But the, uh, anyway. It, well, it, yeah, so. we're, we're going to continue to follow this story, and um, this is going to be front and center in the news as this continues to unfold. Another interesting story as we're moving on is today there was a shooting in a high school in Maryland where uh, two people were shot, and the shooter then was also shot and killed. So there's two injured, and from what I Understand there was a one girl, 16-year-old girl, and another 15-year-old kid who was shot in the leg, and the girl is in critical condition. But a a school resource officer, a sheriff's deputy who was armed, happened to be there and was able to confront and stop the shooter. Now, it seems like this was a uh, shooting that dealt with a personal uh, vendetta between the shooter and the woman who was shot. Mm -hmm. So we don't know if there was going to be a higher body count if this guy was going to continue shooting. But it doesn't matter. Uh, you know, this is what is needed to stop somebody with a gun intending to commit violence as a another good person, person with a good person a with a gun. And this time it worked out for the best. Uh, uh, none of the shooter's victims have died yet, and only the shooter is the one who is dead. So, uh, thankfully, I'd say that's probably the best case scenario in a situation like that, at least this one, is to have that officer um, uh, save other students' lives. We'll be right back. And welcome back to this throwback edition of the Hagman Report. Old bumpers. And I just want to say thank you to Eric, the tech. Uh, my goodness. Uh, look at the graphic on YouTube, the old-time graphic there. Who is that guy? I look I look pretty young there. And, and of course, Joe, you look uh, you know, a little thinner there. And, of course, on, on, on this one. Uh, we've got, uh, Stan Dale as a young, little or so. It, it's kind of a, this has got the ro romantic feel to it, I guess, for the radio. But, you know, again, this is being done for, for a reason. 
And of course, part, part of this is hardening up, uh, certain things. And I, I want to say thank you to everyone that's pitching in here to work hard. And I want to certainly want to thank each and every one of you that care enough to support us. And of course, uh, that means a lot to us. Even if it's just a word, a note in the, in the mail, my wife, uh, was brought to tears a couple of times today as she was reading through the mail. And, um, uh, you folks are just great. And, and, uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. But, you know, it's interesting, uh, one of the things I want to call, I, I just want to mention, you, we were talking about the, the, the bombings and, and this is gonna, you know, this is gonna dominate the headlines. Well, yeah, of course, as it should. Of, of Robert Mueller and, uh, you know, FBI corruption and right. Andrew McCabe and on and on and on. This is a, I don't want, I gotta be careful how I phrase this. Nobody wants bombings to continue. Correct. This is a distraction. And, and I'm thank you for, for. And when I say good distraction, yeah, yeah. I don't mean the bombings are good or anything that's happening is good. I mean, it's a, a change of pace from the normal. That's and yeah, to watch, yeah. you know, to, to see all the updates, to listen to the scanner feeds, to watch uh, authorities and their press conferences, uh, like the other shootings. When when crimes happen, you have the analysis and you have, um, especially something like this. Obviously, this is a politically. I would say politically motivated. These are always usually politically motivated. There's well, no way to serial, serial bombers are extremely rare. And, and there's a very narrow, um, and I'm not going to go any, any further on this, right. but there's a very narrow motive, uh, uh, forensic motive. Okay. Forensically speaking, there's a very narrow motive pattern. Okay. So. And they are very, very rare. And, uh, it, it is interesting to watch this thing unfold. Now, how will this play out? It has everybody on edge. And, and as I said, listening to scanner reports, watching the, the real time information coming out of Austin, it seems very chaotic, but, uh, it, it is a change of pace in coverage from what we have been seeing. Now there is other news. Trump has said he well, wants to meet Putin. To hang, hang on a second. I just want to mention this one, one thing. We, we have to, and I really believe that the law enforcement authorities working this bombing case, they need our prayers because the amount of work that goes into one of these cases, for example, it, it's just really simple. If, if for example, one of the bombs contained, now this is as, as an example, contained a, you know, a, um, oh, I'll say a carpet tack, for example. Do you realize that there will be FBI agents as well as uh, police officers going to every hardware store, mm-hmm. every store? In the general area, every UPS store, post office. Well, I mean, looking for the looking for uh, who bought uh, these carpet tacks or right. whatever the component might be. Multiply that by the number of the, the things inside the package. Um, okay, so so this guy started five years ago, gathering supplies. Well, you think it could be something that that happened more recently? It, it would be. Um, Boy, again, I you know what? I I just don't even want to go there. But no, I, I I'm going to so I'm going to say it's I'm going to say something recent. But but here's here's one thing I'm going to throw out to everyone, and and to you. Here's what I see coming ne- next, and I'm not going to say this is related to what I'm about to say, except in the pattern that I'm seeing develop, is look for some sort of a bio type weapon release, and I I know that the look. Uh, package bombs versus bioweapon release, uh, the, the two distinctly different things. 
But look at what's happening in the background. You said it. This is a distraction to the exposure of the criminal element. Okay. What would be an even bigger distraction? Well, anything that's not really political that doesn't deal with, uh, I mean, a a mass shooting? Is that what you're talking about? Well, I mean, go back to 2002. Remember right after 9-11, the anthrax anthrax attacks. And remember how poorly, by the way, Robert Mueller handled that. Yeah. Uh, there's, There's a number of people wanting their lives back, Mr. Mueller. But that, that aside, I, I, I am looking at something a little bit, and look, I've got no special information about this, but I'm looking for something, um, in, in my professional analysis of something much larger, much greater happening. And I, and I pray to God that I'm, I'm wrong. I pray to God that, that I'm, you know, off my rocker. I'm off my meds, but I, I just, I, I can see it. I, I just feel that something more is going to happen, but go on, Joe, with the hard news. Well, and the last thing I say, Sarah Huckabee Sanders came out earlier and said there's no links to terrorism, uh, that yet with this Austin bombing situation. But by definition, <laughs> these are terrorist incidents. I think what she means is there's no right. links to uh, terrorist organizations such as ISIS or Al Qaeda or any of the other ones. You can you know, go through the list and pick. But, uh, you know, whether this person, how much is going to be made out of when, when this person's caught? If he's a Republican, if he's a Democrat, I guess it'll depend on what his, uh, you know, how he interacts and, and how his, uh, persona is put out there in the media. But will this be, a an attempt to further, you know, demonize Christian conservatives, even if this guy has neither, nothing to do with either cause? Will he not be lumped in or remembered as such by the media? That's the, the atmosphere that we live in. Yeah. So we always have to stay aware and, uh, you know, keep continuing to, to dig in on this, but, um, Syria. What's going on in Syria? Mm-hmm. President Trump says he's going to meet Putin to discuss an arms race that is getting out of control. Uh, U.S. President Donald Trump said he would meet Russian President Vladimir Putin in the not-too-distant future. He called him, apparently, to congratulate him on the election win and to discuss Syria as well as an arms race that Donald Trump called out of control. You can go to RT or several other publications to read uh, the updates on that, but they have not set a date. And time. Now, we've been getting a lot of emails about what's happening in Syria, and we still see the uh, U.S. intervention there. You have a number of other countries there, and the rhetoric has been very heated in the last few days. You had uh, a Russian pol- politicians say it would be the last thing America did if they launched an attack, a U.S. military attack on Damascus, which is what has been speculated for the last few days now that uh, the President Assad was preparing for a strike against Damascus by U.S. military personnel in the very near future. Now we've seen... Uh, what what that, they've done to that country, what they, the globalists, have done to that country. And, and, and Joe, it started with, with uh, Arab Spring. And just to repeat, because many people, many new people are listening, Arab Spring was not spontaneous, it was not organic, it was orchestrated by the by the intelligence world, uh, by the United States, by Israel, um, by, and that, that's not to blame the Jews. I'm not doing that. I'm just saying, you know, behind Arab Spring, U.S., Israel, yet France, the U.K., really, in, in the five eyes nations. And from that, we got Libya. 
and from Libya. Of course, that was a, a, a Ho Chi Minh trail of weapons, arms, and personnel right up to Turkey, uh, to, to Lebanon, and into Syria. And uh, Gajandra Singh, uh, Singh had written an article back, I don't know, a number of years ago, that Syria was going to not implode like Libya, but explode, and so it did. Go ahead, sir. Well, it's a very delicate situation there. Um, you have the false flag attacks, the attacks from, uh, you know, the terrorist organizations and other, you know, I'll call them deep state actors with these chemical attacks. They continue to try to pin on uh, President Assad and the Assad-Putin relationship appears to be as strong as ever. And I would imagine he's going to continue to uh, be president of Syria. That's the last thing the, the globalists want. And I think, I'm not sure where President Trump sits on Assad. I don't know if he buys into the deep state's uh, portrayal of him, you know, as some kind of, uh, you know, tyrant and, and murderer and gasser of his own people. But we know that the gassings that they tried to blame on Assad several times were not conducted, as the reports have said. So uh, we will continue to monitor this, and it's it's very delicate. But from everything I've seen, the U.S. is not preparing a strike on a military strike on Syria, at least not a overt one. And if they were, maybe they're hiding it. I don't know. Maybe they changed their plans. But everybody expected it to come before. You, uh, you didn't get the memo? <laughs> I did not get the memo. Right. But uh, in other news, I just saw this, and I'm surprised that this is not front and center across the news spectrum. Cop who shot bride-to-be in Minnesota is charged with murder. You remember the cop who shot that woman who reported a, a sexual assault of some kind? and ran up to the police car and was shot by a uh, 31-year-old Mohammed Noor, the Minnesota Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who I shot the Australian bride-to-be. He was yep. charged with murder and manslaughter today. Right. Uh, Officer Mohammed Noor, 31, who allegedly killed 40-year-old Justine Diamond of Minneapolis in July, was booked into the county jail at 11.16 a.m. Noor was charged with third-degree murder, second-degree manslaughter. His bail was set at $500,000, the paper reported. Nor and his partner, Matthew Harity, had been called to Diamond's home after she called 911 to report a possible sexual assault happening behind her home. Investigators said Nor, who was sitting in a police car, shot the Sydney-born yoga instructor, instructor in the gut while she was approaching the driver's window of the vehicle. He says he was startled by a loud, loud sound before opening fire, but charges unsealed Tuesday said the cop failed to properly investigate before pulling the trigger. There is no evidence that Officer Nor encountered appreciated, investigated, or confirmed a threat that justified the decision to use deadly force. Instead, he recklessly and intentionally fired his handgun from the passenger seat, a location at which would have been less able than Officer Harity to see and hear events on the other side of the squad car. The family of the deceased of the Diamonds have called the charges one step towards justice in a joint statement. We've waited eight, eight months to come to this point. We are pleased with the way a grand jury in the county attorney, Mike Freeman, appeared to have been diligent and thorough in investigating and determining that these charges are justified. So <clears throat> lots of people were wondering how come charges had not been brought against this police officer. And now you have your answer. They have today. So Interesting. Yeah, one of the one of the thing, a couple of things. Uh, I, I want everyone to, to please pray. You know, this time of year, the spring uh, uh, spring starts tomorrow. The equinox. Uh, the, the, this is a very satanic 
time of year. And now people will roll their eyes at that. I'm sure this aren't will the, uh, this will warrant a right wing watch column. Aren't all the uh, seasonal the right the, like the beginning of first day of yes, spring, yes, first day of summer? Are. Okay. But, but when you talk to uh, Russ Dizdar, who's worked with law enforcement, you know, officials and personnel, and the number of, of kidnappings go up, the number of abductions go up, the number of uh, and I've seen this too. In, in, in fact, my book. Uh, that I wrote uh, a couple of years ago, Stayed by Blood, it addresses at, at its periphery some of this. So just keep the victims in your prayers uh, and understand that we need to pray against the satanic elements and, and the, taking place out there. We need to do that every day, but at this heightened time of satanic abuse. The other thing I want to mention, and then I'm going to toss it back to you, Peter Schweitzer's new book, Secret Empires, How the American Political Class Hides Corruption and Enriches Family and Friends, is just absolutely incredible. And consider this, Peter Schweitzer, who is the president of the Government Accountability Institute, um, his book, it, it, it talks about how Obama, his smash and grab strategy, allowed Obama's friends to buy up various companies for pennies on the dollar. And this after market devaluations resulting from Obama administration's regulatory policies, kind of think Mar- Martha Stewart, um, uh, who, by the way, got a bad rap, if you really understand the prosecution of Martha Stewart. Um, but think of that on steroids and, and some of the ill-gotten funds, interestingly, but not surprisingly, later found their way into the what? Obama Foundation. Uh, and, and the information in this book, I guarantee you, will set people, uh, it will just, it, it, the, just over the coming weeks, just buckle up because there are some revelations including Biden and his son and, and uh the look the the for profit self enrichment part of the government it's just it, it's uh it's sad it really is go ahead Joe whoops was muted there all right so <clears throat> excuse me the march uh, what is this called? This what's going on this weekend? The it's not the March for Life. I keep I don't know why I want to throw it yeah, in. I, I'm gonna, I'll, it's I'll a call March it anti Second Amendment yeah, March. That's period. exactly what it is. Um, and we see the the uh, Parkland students are out in full force. I talked about this a little bit earlier on the Daily Wire. There's an interesting piece. Anti-gun Parkland students give most insane, embarrassing interview ever, where this David Hogg kid talks about. You know, the, uh, one of the toughest things he's had to deal with in this situation is, uh, white male privilege uh, that is facing the anti-gun agenda and on and on and on. They go on to talk about things from the NRA to, uh, and they get so, so much deeper into net neutrality and all these other, uh, you know, globalism on and on, college debt, um, healthcare, the healthcare debate. I mean, these people are, have been turned, these kids have been turned into full blown uh, liberal talking heads at this point. But we have this um, debate or this march coming up, and you have all these celebrities. All And I, I'm just interested in how many people are going to actually pay attention to it. We know there's going to be a high turnout. You've had money left and right and celebrity advertisement of this since the Florida shooting happened. But 
<clears throat> my question is, one, will this, uh, you know, have a million people, as they say? And if it does, what impact will it have? I don't believe anything. It's, it's, people aren't going to start writing laws because you've decided to gather on in a, in a Washington, D.C. street. And, you know, let them get together. Let them, you know, have their march, have their protest. But all in all, do you think that these people are actually changing any minds out there in what they're doing? No, but the media will tell you they are. They right. have, and they did. Well, that's the media's job. That's the, that's their lie that they're, uh, you know, demanded to, to push. That's the, the talking points that they're demanded to push. And they will gladly do so. And these, uh, the, the, uh, David Hogg was on CBS this morning, or I'm sorry, yesterday morning, where he talked about, he, there's a headline in the Washington Times. The NRA is basically threatening us. Yeah, I saw that. What does it basically that. mean? Either they threatened you or they didn't threaten you. Somebody, one of the authors of that article talked about microaggressions. Is this something that, you know, these kids are, are they just trying to, to score political points or are they exaggerating? Obviously they're exaggerating. The NRA did not threaten them or they would have said, yes, the, the NRA threatened us. But when will this go away? Look, That's my look, last question. When it, will these people go it's, away? It's, they're not going to go away. The indoctrination of, of, first of all, what we've seen, in my view, what we've seen with the students, the the uh, prostituting, and again, Kyle from Right Wing Watch, if you're listening, quote me correctly. The left, the fascist, progressive left, these people have prostituted their own children for the anti-Second Amendment, for the purpose of 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 uh, nullifying the Second Amendment, which will never be done. You, you parents out there who have who have taken your kids and children and weaponized them, you are responsible for prostituting your children for an anti-constitutional cause, and shame on you! Shame on you! And those people who support. Uh, that a- action, that activity, you should be ashamed of yourselves as well. And t- take a history lesson, take a civics course, understand why we have a Second Amendment. And, and oh, by the way, in the event you're confused, go over to the UK right now and and look at look at how the censorship is working in the UK. The UK does not have a a Bill of Rights, the freedom of speech. Has been virtually ripped from the, the from the UK from the population of the UK. What else don't they have? They don't have the right to bear arms in the UK. Isn't it interesting how one and the other compare or work together? There's a symbiotic relationship to it. But shame on you to the parents of yeah. the students out there who are prostituting your children. I mean, the children obviously have to learn to make their own mistakes and live their own lives and. Uh, the parents have to be supportive of what these kids believe uh, as much as, you know, they try to parent them. But at what point should a parent step in and say, hey, you know, you're really, uh, you're really out there in your views or you're wrong, you know, or say it like this, trying to correct them. But we don't see any of, the, at least we don't hear of any of that. And it doesn't look like from these kids' messages that any of that is even being said at, at the home. And one thing I find so interesting about this, uh, that the Daily Wire points out is one of the, uh, 
people who was a hero during the shooting who shielded his fellow classmates from uh, the, the shooter with the Kevlar sheets in the ROTC room who him and himself, him and his friend armed themselves with a, a board and a, a fire extinguisher and prepared for the shooter to enter the room that they were going to, uh, you know, take him out if possible. This kid, because he believes in the Second Amendment, because he spoke out about CNN and the uh, scripting of the town hall meeting, he was even taken to task by his fellow classmates. And, you know, we all know the David Hogg kid's name, but, you know, who is the other kid? The other kid's name is, uh, where is it here? Kyle Kashuv. Because he had different views. He stood up for President Trump. He stood up for the Second Amendment, called this, you know, for what it was, the politicalization uh, of the, the gun debate immediately. And, uh, you know, he's not getting any time on the, uh, on the news media. He's not being able to, he was not even invited to, uh, uh, a number of interviews that were done uh, immediately after the shooting, immediately after it was made known his political affiliations. And this is the game the media is going to continue to play uh, with these people. They're going to elevate the people who they believe can help push their ideology and agenda, and they're going to demonize, like they, CNN did with this other kid, call them a liar, those who come against them. And no better example can be seen than from these uh, Parkland students who have been in the media. And it's really unfortunate because, uh, you know, they should, uh, you'd think after a tragedy like they went through, would be able to come together regardless of their political ideologies. But why can't that happen? Because this is not about coming together. This is about political ideologies. This is about the banning or attempted banning of the Second Amendment and the war on guns. Do you think that these kids who are at this march, they're going to talk about how a armed officer stopped a school shooter today? No, they're going to turn it around and say how guns need to be banned because of the school shooting today. And on and on and on. So, Exactly. How many people are going to pay attention I go to back it? To, I go back to saying that we're in a war. We are in a war. You know, look, it doesn't matter what, if you, what you think of Alex Jones. He, he's absolutely 100% correct. I would stand with him any day of the week. We are in an information war. It's a war right now that's uh, where you've got the media, the captured corporate mass media, the political arm of the leftist, fascist progressives out there. I don't even want to call them progressives. They're liberal fascists. Okay, uh, good question. Lieutenant Colonel Ralph Peters, are you familiar with him? I've heard that. You know, I would be if I saw it okay, in the context, Okay, Fox News contributor Ralph Peters quits propaganda machine. Anyway, he's quitting his job as a Fox News analyst um, because he says it's a propaganda machine. But you know, oh, okay. So where's it going to go? To MSNBC or CNN I, I or what? I, I don't mean, know. Uh, I think uh, I'm going to send this Peter Chowka's way, and he can uh, shed some light on this. But um, apparently, he just did not renew his contract, and he issued a statement saying that uh, I support, I swore an oath to support and defend the Constitution, and that oath did not expire when I took off my uniform today. I feel Fox News is assaulting our constitutional order and rule of law by fostering a coercive and unjust. Paranoia among viewers. Paranoia. Isn't See, it okay. crazy how the truth... The, the, the talking points, Joe, they're the same, aren't they? Are. They yeah. Absolutely, they're well, the same. Well, it's like, I, I would urge everyone to, to, to look. It's been published by InfoWars. Look at the lawsuit filed against Alex Jones. Look at that and read that by Brennan Gilmore. Read it. Yeah. And, and, and read the charges. 
in there. I, you know, I, look, I stand 100% behind Alex Jones on that lawsuit. Um, it, it's against, uh, it's Brent Gilmore v. Alex Jones, Alan B. West, the former congressman, uh, Lee Stranahan, for crying out loud. Uh, it's, it's ridiculous. But see, these are the tactics. But see, the, the, the language that's being used, the language is the template, or the template is, uh, it's, the, the language is good, is, you could take these and, and make a template out of them. Oh, there I gave, I gave some liberal fascists the idea. Oh wait, you've already done that. Yeah. And, uh, one clarification I wanted to make from yesterday. Hillary Clinton, we talked about how her trips to, her trip to India, most recent trip, cost the taxpayers over $22,000. Well, it's much more than that. And the reason is, is because she's a former, uh, first lady. So she gets secret service detail, especially when traveling out of the country. And uh, apparently this happens all the time when she travels. So that is why the... So the medical uh, event did not cost the taxpayer 20. Right. Okay. Right. It was right. The, the... Fair enough. Regular um, travel expenses that she would have traveling okay. anywhere out of town because of her status as first former first lady of the United States. So that clears that up. So And, and I wanted to make sure we got to the bottom of that. But looking at her travel receipts... Uh, what they wrote about the $22,000 is, is crumbs compared to other uh, security contracts with the Secret Service that they had in her last trip to India was over uh, $60,000. And we're on the hook for this. And, and all she does apparently is travel and talk about, uh, you know, how she was unjustly uh, not president, why she is not president of uh, America right now. And this is the smartest woman in the world. Oh man! I, every time I think of her, it's like, can you imagine what it would be like if she was president right now? No, no, no. This gives me goosebumps just thinking about it. When we come back, we're going to be joined by the Liberty columnist Anthony Cordonega. He's going to be talking about a number of things, uh, current events and news, as well as the documentary Kids Inc. So we'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. Hagman Report. Uh, that's right, throwback week. Hagman Report. You can hear it live weeknights, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern, Global Star Radio Network, Blog Talk Radio, as well as YouTube for as long as we're on YouTube. By the way, follow us in both of our individual shows, mine 9 to 10, and Joe and John's 2 to 3. Follow them on BTR, that's Blog Talk Radio. Just go to HagmanReport.com. That's your central hub for everything Hagman, is HagmanReport.com. Eric detected a wonderful job creating that website, updating it, hagmanreport.com. Bookmark the website. Check it daily. And, uh, look for, look for, look for exclusive articles on that, on the website. Um, Occupy 2018. Come join us in Canton, April 2021 and 22. Please come join us in Canton. Won't you? Uh, the seats are filling up fast. You've got to register right away. Go to coachdavelive.com and register for Occupy 2018, the conference. Uh, I'm going to tell you, the people there from Pastor Paul Begley to Coach Dave uh, to Russ to uh, hey, Joe and I. Um, and rumor has it, 
that were twisting Eric the Tech's arm to come to. Isn't that uh, that's, be fun. Uh, that's gonna be fun. So I, I can't gonna, wait for I can't wait for that. We're gonna get him a bright colored T shirt to wear and, and a big name tag so everybody knows who Eric the Tech is. Absolutely. He does a lot of work trying to keep his identity sealed. Yeah, well he's gonna have a we're, we're gonna make sure he's front and center there. Maybe we can give him ten minutes of our speaking time to address that. There the you audience. go. There you go. And, and and people have emailed me asking what I'm gonna be talking about and that's gonna be the deep state coup against the United States, against our nation, and expand upon the things that uh, you really need to know about about what's taking place behind the scenes that you're not getting, you're not even getting on Fox. So uh, before we get to our next guest, folks, you know, right now, the economy, I, I don't know how many people out there uh, are, are, are having, well, they're making very and i know this is true for our audience they're, they're they're making very smart very intelligent economic decisions think about this average interest rates on credit card debt 17% right now have you looked at your interest rate lately do you want to save money by consolidating your credit card debt and lowering your interest rates now i'm speaking to people out there who are, our audience is above average in intelligence uh, I know this because of the emails I get. And you're smart with your money. You're smart with your, your family finances. So sometimes it just makes perfect sense to consolidate your debt, especially with your high interest rate credit cards. I was speaking with my niece, Kathy, and I spoke about her before. She's going through a divorce, and she was left with a, just a mess. And I'm going to tell you, Lightstream, okay, remember that, Lightstream, lightstream.com lightstream.com slash Hagman remember that they helped her out tremendously and as a matter of fact she got a credit card consolidation loan with a fixed interest rate and it was very low it, lightstream right now offers a credit card consolidation loan with a fixed interest rate as low as 5.49% APR with auto pay you can literally save thousands of dollars in interest they've got loans from five thousand to a hundred thousand dollars with no fees and you know that this is so great to work with this is totally online you can um you can choose your funding date sometimes you can get money as soon as the same day you can see the interest rates before you apply the application again as i mentioned is a hundred percent online this is a division of SunTrust Bank. So you can be confident you're working with one of the nation's largest and strongest financial institutions out there. Now, here's the deal. I'm talking to people, again, I know you're intelligent. I know that you're uh, uh, with better than average credit. This makes perfect sense for you. So apply today and get an additional interest rate discount on top of Lightstream's already low rates. The only way for our listeners with good credit to get the special interest rate discount is to go to lightstream.com slash hagman that's lightstream.com slash hagman now let me spell this for you it's l-i-g-h-t-s-t-r-e-a-m lightstream.com slash hagman now this is subject to credit approval rate includes a 0.50% auto pay discount 
available only when you select auto pay prior to loan funding. Terms and conditions apply, and offers are subject to change without notice. So visit lightstream.com slash Hagman for important information about limits on Lightstream loans and same-day funding. It's a good idea. Sometimes it just makes sense. Um, we, not too long ago, we had uh, the honeybee and our next guest in office. Mm-hmm. And what a great young man. And a product, a film, a documentary, Kids, Inc. I, I saw the promo for it. I looked at the guy on the, in the um, the picture of the guy on the, on the promo. And I wondered who that was. Joe. That was you. It right? was me, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought, do I really look like that? But <laughs> go ahead. No, and we did. Uh, it was a, a great to have them in studio. And we've had uh, Anthony on uh, a number of times since then. And the website to find Anthony is the Liberty Columnist. I believe that's right. LibertyColumnist.com. Anthony, it's great to have you back. How are you doing? Oh, it's a pleasure to be back with you guys. How's everybody doing? Well, we're doing good. Yeah. Um, We're continuing to dig through the news, and uh, we're doing audio only tonight, a little uh, switch up, or audio only this whole week. It's part of our throwback week here so uh, i know you usually come on video but audio Very only nice. tonight and um yeah we we're just talking about the the documentary let's start here with with the document documentary kids inc i know that you guys have been working on this hard you've been uh traveling around uh, gathering footage doing interviews and a number of things how close are you to finalizing and finishing the project well we are at the uh close to the end of our trips we have a few more trips actually um planned and scheduled um, we just first start off with just a general summary when we think it's going to be done. It's basically at the end of the summer, no later than the end of the summer, it would be released. Um, I'm expecting sometime, sometime no later than July. Um, and we've got on our calendars three separate trips already planned, which one of which we've already bought the tickets for. Um, so we are making steady progress yet again. And uh, I'm here to talk to you guys about a little brief summary of the case and kind of how it all started, give you a little bit of uh, some breadcrumbs with one of the cases um, with the Lita family, which is uh, one of the families featured in the documentary. Okay. Well, Anthony, i, I got to say this. Uh, some publications, uh, very well-read publications, and I'm not going to mention the name because, you know, um, I'm just not going to give them any, any oxygen. Believe that Pedagate, Pizzagate, child abduction, child satanic sacrifice, kids in cages, the abuse, the everything we're talking about, that's all just conspiracy nonsense. Isn't that something? And I'm sure your documentary documentary verifies that we're just off our off our nut here, doesn't it? Yeah, it's actually funny how they would say such a thing because even in this day and age, there's actually so much corroboration for those claims that there is such thing as pedogate um, and just the general nature of child exploitation um, as it relates to child sex traffic, tra- trafficking and other things. Um, even the BBC has covered you know these kind of things with a lot of members of the royal family family being involved in this, including uh, Jimmy Savile. Um, so, you know, it's it's not like, you know, these people that like to tote such narratives, ultimately they're they're really just lying is the point. And if anyone's a really conspiracy nut, it's it's basically these people that don't use the eyes that the Lord has given them to see. <laughs> so 
and the ears to hear, even more importantly. So, um, you know, beyond people, people to understand that this stuff is very, very real actually have done the research. They actually have um, dug up, you know, through many rabbit holes on the Internet of all the facts that you can find to further substantiate that this stuff really does exist. I've got to tell you, and I'll tell the audience, having met Liberty Columnists, having met your team, the, the people working with you, uh, you folks uh, have really, um, I, I cannot say enough good about you in terms of your documentation, your investigative skills, your ability to get, uh, you know, get right down into the nitty gritty, and I like your investigative style. And we only stick with people that have that ability and I thank you for that and I'm so appreciative we here are so appreciative and everyone listening are so appreciative of your work so yeah let's get into the uh, the nitty-gritty here of what you want to speak about the cases yeah. perhaps and, and all sure that. sure absolutely and I and I really appreciate you saying that um, just to kind of get into some of the summary of one of the cases that we're covering uh, it has to do with the Lita family and you know, to start off, to get people up to speed with exactly how this CPS case was formed, um, I'm going to kind of go through somewhat of a chronological order of certain events that have happened, that have trans- that have transpired, that have contributed to the CPS case actually forming. Um, so basically, this family uh, has five children, and the story. Anthony, Anthony yes. if, you, if you don't mind, could you please spell sure. the last name? Spell the last name. You said Lita. Yeah, sure. Family. Absolutely, okay. yeah. The last name is L-E-T-A, Lita. Okay, all right. Go ahead, sir. Yeah, so so basically it started off, a um, little bit of context is that the mother was actually hospitalized um, for multiple weeks in the hospital due to a uh, vitamin B deficiency. Um, and if you've studied any amount of health to any degree, most people understand that vitamin B deficiencies are extremely dangerous because it actually has a lot to do with the um, production of energy in your body, and therefore most of your systems will start to shut down. Um, so she was treated with that and was then released from the hospital. Uh, days following that, you are actually very weak in recovery. You're just at a point where it's safe to actually, you know, uh, dismiss you from the hospital and back into your own house. So it was a few days after she had been released from the hospital that her husband, you know, nice as he was, decided he would go get some food um, for her and the other five children. And the littlest mistake... And everyone listening, this is such a huge lesson to learn um, in hopes that you won't be targeted by CPS. But the littlest mistake you can make can be used against you um, by these people, and they will bring it to a court of law. And so he goes out and gets some McDonald's, comes back, and does not realize that he had actually not properly locked the front door. Um, so their door has somewhat of a lock issue, and that actually contributed to their two-year-old daughter um, opening the door and walking outside and she walked down uh, the report and the CPS report says about 10 houses which we have understood allegedly is a fabrication that the family has admitted that it was probably up to 3 to 5 houses down the street um, then a cop that responded to this call by a neighbor, a neighbor did call the police um, that's the first thing to note she did not actually bring the child to the respective family that she knew the child belonged to. She actually decided to call the authorities, um, which is the first no-no when it comes to uh, 
you know, if you're a neighbor and this stuff happens to you, kind of give people the benefit of the doubt and keep it within the family. Um, she called the cops. Cops showed up at the house. Um, first thing that happened was the cops actually had, they had no warrant. They hadn't, uh, notified the Lita family before they just stumbled in the house, um, and basically returned the daughter. Uh, days later after the cop had returned the daughter, of course they had to file their respective reports of the incident just as any other arrest would take place. This is on the same kind of lines. Um, an incident report was written and CPS was then contracted out to the house and performed a visit uh, two to three days, I believe, after the cop had initially returned the child. Um, so and the, a CPS agent accompanied by a cop comes to the door without the warrant. And the craziest part in the story um, is that the mother, Nikki Lita, she had actually told me that when the CPS agent had knocked on the door, um, she had she had actually posed a threat uh, verbally to her through the door, saying, if you do not let us in, there will be harm done to you. And that that's, that's quote, unquote, from what she had told me. Um, so the CPS... The CPS agent had said such things, which is, to me, just beyond appalling. Um, and that actually was the necessary intimidation used for Nikki to actually open the door. Um, second lesson in this story is if CPS comes knocking, do not open the door. Um, a lot of parents don't understand that, and we don't blame them for that. Uh, but many of them have been uh, otherwise coerced into doing such. Um, so the kids were removed from the house, speaking... To it, all five children were actually removed from the house and then later placed into foster care. Well, on what grounds um, were now, they removed? Uh, in, in number one, were they removed yes. contemporaneous to the first visit? And on what grounds? So they actually had a second visit, and during the second visit, the intake worker, um, either the intake worker or just another CPS caseworker assigned to the case, decided they would walk in and, and uh, assess the state of the house and they had filed a report, obviously a written report, since everything in court goes by hearsay and not really evidence. Um, and in the reports, which I do have in my possession, the reports basically detail that the house was in a filthy state. Um, and certain pieces of evidence that were listed within the report but not substantiated, just kind of hearsay listed, um, was, you know, trash was on the floor. Um, there was... Uh, what the CPS had reported to be fecal matter on the walls, which in turn actually ended up being a candy bar residue that the kids um, had, you know, been playing around and eating candy bars and they had smeared it on the walls. Well, the CPS agent actually said that that was fecal matter and vomit. However, they did not decide to actually take a sample of that um, mysterious material that they decided to say was was vomit, which is I find very interesting. Because um, they don't they don't choose to substantiate their own claims, um, and basically just fabricated a bunch of pieces of evidence. I know one of the caseworkers when they had walked into the house, allegedly the family reports that the caseworker had walked into the house and had been tampering with some of the stuff inside their house. Uh, one of the accounts was that they had knocked over the trash can, and you know trash was on the floor. Therefore, and then then they you know gave them the reason to actually take a picture of such. Um, so a lot of it had to do with very strategic implant, implanting of evidence and uh, and just in general lies and fabrications in these written reports, which if you know about CPS cases, most of them are empowered by written reports, and there's generally a lack of evidence that actually brings the family to court. So um, that's basically how that was all started. 
Um, I don't know if you have any questions up okay. to that point. I can keep going if you'd like. Yeah, well, okay. With the reports, were there photographs? Now, you've got copies of all these reports, right? And, yes, I do. Were they made available to the family themselves? Yeah, so uh, the reports were made available to the family, and we actually signed an agreement between the family and um, you know the producers of this documentary to see their their uh, their reports. And I can tell you just from first off observation, seeing the photographs, I mean, it, it just amazes me the kind of level of technology um, that the state is still using. And just to see the photographs printed in a in a written report with black and white ink, and seeing the amount of quality that these photographs displayed i mean it looked like something yeah it was it was terrible terrible quality that you know to actually substantiate a claim as like i don't know vomit and feces is what is being shown would be kind of a stretch for lack of a better term um now what's interesting is that in the uh months following the case you know the kids are the the kids are brought to a uh, foster care Family and um, the second oldest child actually contracted a major UTI, um, and that that's not really normal for children to contract. If anyone understands, most people do. Especially, you know, it was basically a state of two different possibilities. She was either neglected with hygiene um, to the point where obviously that would fester. Um, or there was sexual abuse. And there were reasons to believe that there was sexual abuse. Um, there was an actual uh, demonstration by the child where the child went on the floor of the house when she was talking to her grandma, and her grandma was asking her how this all came to be. And the child began to make gyration and humping movements on the carpet. Okay, um, now, just to be clear, so, so we're following you. You've got one family, uh, two, uh, to, just to recap, uh, one family, sure. um, uh, a wife hospital, or a woman, the, the mother, I should say, hospitalized out of the hospital. Mm-hmm. Dad, dad leaves the uh, grocery shopping. Um, the uh, front door did not latch properly. The two-year-old uh, was able somehow to to get away, get out of the house. Uh, was caught a couple of doors down. The neighbor, instead of picking up the child, uh, c- contacted the police. The police became involved. Child services showed up a couple of days later. Um, and, and ultimately, the children were taken away based on evidence collected at the scene, much of it embellished evidence based on your investigation. Uh, however, right. the, night, the nightmare starts with CPS placing the children in foster homes. This is what I'm getting from you. Um, is that correct? Pretty much. That is absolutely correct. That's a pretty right. much really good summary of exactly what I just said. Um, they Basically, a lot of the... Um, the last bit of fabrication I can detail would be, you know, reading the reports myself, um, not only reading the reports and taking the testimony of the parents, but actually witnessing firsthand um, what these kids were actually capable of. It was very interesting to see that the reports would say things like uh, that the kids lacked motor skill ability, um, they were uh, unable to articulate and talk um, completely, they used terms such as overparentified. Um, which is definitely not a term in the English dictionary. So you see a lot of jargon used by these organizations using over-parentified, under-parentified. Over-parentified. Yes, sir. Absolutely. And right. part of the reason for that word they had included in the report were that the oldest two had cleaned and cooked too much. 
Um, and there's, there's ample evidence that I have on recordings when they're talking to their children about how they definitely don't clean too what, much and they definitely don't cook too much. So what age group, uh, what age range, uh, five children, what are the ages roughly? Um, if I'm going by my memory here, if I believe it, I'm pretty sure that the oldest, the oldest one is, I believe he's seven. Okay. Um, and the second oldest, which is a girl, so there's an oldest boy and an oldest girl, um, and the oldest girl, I believe, is five, if I'm correct about that. I could be incorrect about that, but they're, they well, are roughly. the oldest yeah. of the entire family, roughly right. roughly that age for sure. And is um, this a, a blended family, or, or, or are they, in other words, uh, same mom, same, same dad for all, all uh, yes. children? Or, okay. Yes, all right. yep, same mom, same dad for all the children. Yeah. Um, What's interesting too, Doug, that I that I wanted to note is um, originally when this had been filed, this UTI complaint. Um, so basically, the child had complained of this, and the parents, being very you know well educated in how the law works, well educated in their rights, they decided to call the police and conduct an Ohio State um, uh, what do they call them um, welfare check. And in the welfare check, uh, the cop had actually reported and confirmed um, that she had showed up to the house. And she, I believe in the welfare check, it stated that she did not check the child, um, just chose not to check the child. Um, and the substantiation for the UTI comes from a medical report, which I, which I also have in my possession, um, from a nurse practitioner in the hospital's office where they do confirm that there is multiple organisms present. Um, in the UTI check. Um, what's interesting, the interesting side to all this context is that in the state of Ohio, there's actually a statute that when an emergency hearing is filed by the parents, the, the courts themselves in Ohio have to hear that, that hearing. They have to actually enact and have to attend and set it all up within 72 hours. Um, Ohio, the state of Ohio basically failed to do such. Um, I believe they did the the hearing. I believe it was a week after it had been filed. So that's that's like you know a lot longer than 72 hours. Um, so there's many instances of illegality involved in the case, not only by caseworkers themselves, but also by um, you know magistrates that the magistrate that you know sat over the case and really had the authoritative call over you know setting up these these uh, these meetings and such. So. So, so there was administrative. You use the word illegality. Uh, mm-hmm. I suppose that could be corrected. At the very least, administrative irregularities. Uh, sure. All around here. Okay. All right. All right. Wow. Okay. Um, and just to be clear, you, you've met, interacted with the family. Uh, the oh family. yeah. Oh yeah. We actually right. stayed with them for. Um, close to five days, and it was actually a treat to be there with them and kind of go through all the court documents ourselves. And we did not expect these children to come home, but, I mean, it was by the hand of God that they actually did come home when we were visiting. We actually attended the the uh, the court session. Um, we actually were inside the courtroom um, attending amongst all the lawyers and the prosecution, and the magistrate did file, um, did actually you know, make a motion to give the kids back um, to the family under under really a compromising. Um, and Anthony, uh, about, uh, how long were the children sure. absent from the home? How long were they gone from the home? 
uh, under the CPS. Oh man, mandate. it was. Oh, let's see. So it was. It was close. It, it had to have been well over three, four months or so. I think it was close to five months that they weren't at the house. Um, that they were actually in custody of the foster family. And the interesting thing, Doug, is that – actually, excuse me. I am totally misspoke. It's actually six months. And the reason I actually know that is because the court uh, that the court hearing that we attended was on the six-month and one-day mark of the case. And the, the interesting thing to that is that uh, Title IV funding, which is a federal – um, funding that that you know that usually the feds actually push money into these CPS organizations to give bonuses to these supervisors and all the people involved in the case. Um, that's actually the minimum time requirement for this federal funding to make its way and pay the foster uh, mother and pay the caseworkers their bonuses. So it was interesting to see how they had a very very weak case, and anyone would know this. Um, by looking at the the documents, but after six months and one day, the literal minimum that they needed to get to get that cash flow coming in is when they returned the kids. So they did it yeah. just basically out of extortion, in my in my full honest opinion. Yeah, and we see this um, often. And I, I uh, know another uh, person who is affected by the the CPS and had an open case on them, and. They also, uh, you know, had money, uh, the, the kids social security money that they were getting taken. And they had to actually, after they got the child back, the uh, agency continued to take that money for months and months after the, the child's return. Joe, yeah, that's and really that's interesting element. you said that. That actually happened in the case. I just had to say that. That literally happened in the case after they were returned. They are still in need of their social security money, which CPS has provoked. Yeah. And that's crazy to me that they can they can do that. But that is a huge part of this. This is how they they continue to fund, uh, you know, these operations is by taking the money, whether it's child support, social security money, whatever it is. Yep. They will confiscate that from the parents as well. And you'll be paying child support for your own children to be taken from you. Absolutely, absolutely. So very uh, very sad uh, cases that you know you have to deal with. Uh, this is one of the, the really hard things on dealing with the, the CPS cases is that they're just, some of them are so heartbreaking and, uh, you know, good for you for uh, sticking with this one to the extent that you did. Yeah, thank you. And it's it's been, it's really been an eye-opener for me personally. Um, I didn't really know going into it the whole tactic and, and actually, actually witnessing the tactic firsthand and seeing the whole six-month and uh, one-day mark play into into that case and realizing exactly what was going on was just really eye-opening to me. Um, and the fact that, you know, with this case, this is one case amongst uh, many other different kinds of cases that will, will be featured in the documentary, um, which, like I said earlier, we will be we will be finished with that by the end of the summer. Um, we are in need of a little bit of more funding. Um, we've raised close to about $6,000 so far to fund the project. Um, the project's really been completed, like, Amazingly, in my opinion, for the amount of money that we've been given to do with, um, but we are seeking um, another two thousand dollars just to finish our our actual project with the documentary and producing all of it. So, just real quick, if I could tell anyone listening in the audience, um, if you could just go to plumfund.com, p-l-u-m-f-u-n-d.com/slash crowdfunding/slash kids inc documentary. 
and there you can contribute any amount that you um, that you can. Anything would be appreciated, and you know we really, really I can't stress it enough. We really couldn't have done this without all of the support um, and donations from everybody. And soon enough, we will be releasing a full um, open source page of all of our funding, where it was spent. Um, so, so this Excel sheet will be released soon to the public, so they can see exactly where their dollars went. And that's and that's great. And we gotta this is we, we gotta stick together and we gotta help out. Uh, each other. So if you can, uh, help Anthony, help the Kids Inc. documentary. Uh, this is just great work. Anthony, I want to uh, take your attention away and go down this other path. I'm getting reports that there is possibly happening now another package explosion reported in Austin. One person, one person injured. This is separate. This is uh, apparently right around 8.15 this evening. So I have not uh, verified this apparently wow. Fox has that, but that would be 8:15 eastern time yeah apparently there's been another explosion one person injured 30 year old male being report taken to the hospital uh injured injuries appear non life threatening at this time so what do you make of this serial bomber in Austin yeah i mean it's crazy to be honest um if i'm correct about this i think uh it was either this morning or yesterday morning that the fifth bombing had taken place um in a fedex facility and you know the fact that you're just now saying that you know 8:15 or so in the evening this happened again we're talking about six potentially six different bombings in austin within little over a month um, so, I mean, this is, it's absolutely crazy. And the amount of hysteria that people in the city are probably feeling, um, is pretty substantial. Um, I know that a lot of the bombings that took place, um, they took place in lower income communities. Um, there seems to be possibly, possibly a racially motivated aspect there. Um, but all in all, I thought it was interesting, too, that the media had actually covered, um, I think it was the president of the NAACP in Austin, and he was stating that, you know, they were they were basically talking about this being definitely racially motivated and all this stuff. So kind of following how the narrative develops in the mainstream media and seeing how um, they, they are pushing kind of a narrative of this being racially motivated. And if that's the case, you know, where do we go from there? Exactly. If this is a guy that is a you know serial bomber, for instance, what is the end all be all goal of this guy, even if it is motivated um, racially? So there seems to be a lot of unanswered questions, and I have a lot myself. Yeah, exactly. But by the way, Anthony, we didn't mean to take you off off track. If uh, we wanted to report the fact that uh, there's the report of another bombing, so a Goodwill store. Yeah. Well. No, absolutely. Yeah. You know, so, so I mean. It, it, um, we've got so much to cover. Um, oh yeah. But if you want to continue, uh, if there's anything remaining to continue with respect to the documentary, the Lido family, yeah. uh, please do so. But again, just want to advise people about the potential or possibility of the reports of another yet, uh, you know, bombing in Austin, which has got people on edge. But uh, so so continue, however, or wherever, to wrap up the um, what you were yeah sure. Earlier. So that that was basically um, basically it of the the message with kind of the expose of what I wanted to kind of show you guys as audience of exactly what we're dealing with, um, and I and I can't stress enough how much we do need um, we do need your help to help um, fund this project and fund these last few trips and these interviews that we that we need for the documentary. So 
Um, thank you guys for giving me the platform for that anyway. Well, yeah, and no worries. In your, I suppose, just to kind of wrap this up, put a bow in it, um, in Child Protective Services, the theory behind having an agency like this, obviously a noble theory, noble cause, um, in theory, obviously that there are people out there who, in my estimation, personally, I believe shouldn't be parents. They should not be parents mm-hmm. at all. Okay. Mm-hmm. However, th- th- there are abuses of the system, and I'm amazed. I am absolutely amazed at, at some of these. Uh, uh, some, and I've seen postings to the effect where some people will come out and say, "Well, the people who are against uh, child protective services are associated with." In, hear me out. The sovereign citizen movement, you know, specifically, or. Um, uh, and, and that goes, of course, to you know the, the va- vaccine debate in large part, or it goes to uh, uh, schooling, whether you know homeschool, and automatically you get labeled as a as a sovereign citizen wannabe or this whatever. But it's it's much deeper than that, isn't it? It's 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 beyond that. There there are, there are abuses of CPS. There or oh yeah. CPS. And, and, yeah, go ahead. For for these people to even begin to say that this would be some kind of ideologically motivated association with people, I mean, it's absolutely blatantly ridiculous. I know, in, I know, in our case itself, with the Lita family alone, I mean, they were Hillary Clinton supporters. Um, they're liberals. Um, they were despised in their own in their own neighborhood. Partly, part part of the reason for this whole phone call and the whole targeting by their own neighbors was they think was politically motivated. So it happens to actually go on both sides of of the fence. And you know, people would be um, a lot of people hearing this would probably think, oh, well, why why would you talk to these people and blah blah blah? And you're going to get all the kind of people on that side of the debate. But it, it's absolutely ridiculous because kids don't come with an R or a D. You know, after their name, um, this whole ideologically motivated argument is just just blatantly um, uneducated of a thing to even go about saying. Well, we see, you know, the uh, the media in full force. And Anthony, we were talking about this before you came on, but the uh, what we've seen with these Parkland students and this event of the uh, uh, I forget what it's called. I, I keep wanting to say March for Life, but obviously that's not the March for Life. Event. Yep. Is that it? March, March for, for Our Lives. Yeah, it's the March, March for, for Our, our Lives. lives. Okay. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it is crazy. <laughs> and it's coming up this weekend. And we, I mean, these, uh, these Parkland students who have been trouted across the, uh, all the different news organizations over the last few weeks, continuing to attack gun owners, continuing to attack the Second Amendment, the Constitution, the NRA, politicians, on and on and on, are basically being rewarded for their behavior. All these celebrities and other people, uh, and as John pointed out earlier, the Hollywood aspect of uh, who organized this was uh, a person who uh, worked on Dancing with the Stars. And I asked my dad this, I'm going to ask you this. Do you believe that these people in the, this march is going to change any lives? Do you think that this is going to have any meaningful impact in the uh, in the big picture, I- except for the media being able to continue with their divisive uh, rhetoric and attacks? I honestly think absolutely not. I, I truly believe that this is a very well um, orchestrated PR stunt is what I've come to believe. Um, Whether these people are in many people's language, they use the term crisis actors. Many people say, you know, people that are just take advantage of the situation, regardless of whatever the motivation is. 
Um, I do know that, you know, I, from, from coming to look at all the evidence surrounding the Parkland shooting um, and seeing exactly what action that these kids are demanding and seeing exactly um, the platform that they've been given and the platforms that other students involved in the shooting have not been given um, and looking at the just the proportion of students that were actually given a platform, you know, you have you have ranging from four to eight different students um, that have been given a platform to speak on behalf of the entire school. Um, and I know that the school was close to, I think the number was about 3,000 kids, if not 2,000. And that's just an, that's just a crazy, crazy ratio of, of people to, to be let in on, on interviews. And, you know, if you can't have, you know, 30 to 40 kids separately have their own interviews, it, it seems like it's something very, um, orchestrated in a sense that they are hand selecting a certain few um, and a certain few of these kids I think have a my personal opinion that is I think that they have a uh, self-aggrandizing um, motive for what they're doing I think a lot of them are, are actors in reality that's not really an opinion of mine to be honest that's a fact they're actually in the drama club um, a lot of them have motivations for careers as journalists um, including Mr. Hogg uh, and a lot of them have kind of spooky connections with uh, CNN and other outlets and the FBI themselves. So it's just something that to sit here and just believe this is purely organic um, would would be a very uneducated point of view to take. I feel. Yeah, and you know um, the the news and, and the the talking heads from CNN to CBS say you know this is a civil rights uh, movement and that these kids are are you know uh, basically on the the front lines of this war against the the guns but let's go over here to what we saw in the maryland high school shooting today we saw mm-hmm. uh, a 17 year old enter the building with a handgun apparently mm-hmm. shot his ex-girlfriend or he had relations with this girl and then he was shot by a sheriff a student resource officer uh and this all unfolded within like a matter of 30 seconds and mm-hmm. this really backs up the argument for arming having more armed people in school. I know here locally <clears throat> they had a vote uh what what parents thought and it was about 70% to 30% 70% thought more armed personnel uh would make them feel better about having their kids in, in school. So we see that the the public relations battle and the attack on the the civil liberties and, and constitutional rights by the left in this country even in a place here where we live is not working in the majority of people understand that you know more people uh, responsible people with guns would make the place a lot safer rather than you know Maryland one of the the, the most uh, gun free zones in in the country and uh, what do you think about this do you think that there this will be used as an example of more guns in uh, the the hands of responsible people or do you think this will be twisted into the anti gun debate well, I, I totally agree with the point you just made about, you know, it, it literally, you know, proves their point um, right back at them. And, and just to first off say, you know, the law would have done nothing to stop this 17-year-old shooter from acquiring his Glock 9mm. Um, we all know that's the nature of criminality. What defines a criminal? Not obeying the law. So, you know, ultimately, um, you know, in most cases, a criminal is not obeying the law, and you can get into a moralistic argument about that. But in general... That's the whole entire point, is that so many of these people that are 
beckoning for a solution are begging for a legislative intervention, and they're just not the same. Uh, solutions come in many different forms, and not all of them come with a legislative interventionist form of enacting new gun legislation and what's it going to be when you write the law and who's going to pass it and all these concerns that start to occupy people in their minds um, when they think of how to solve this issue. It always seems to be a legislative um, MO right, of how to go about this. So I know that the sheriff has confirmed that, you know, this is the other, other weird thing, and I just want to add real quick. The sheriff also confirmed that there is school surveillance uh, footage that's been submitted as evidence in the case already. And I just found that interesting because I know with the Parkland case, something being much more drastic and much, much crazier in the amount of deaths that actually occurred, um, they were not releasing that video until a judge had actually ordered it in a case. So it really shows, um, you know, the legal and law enforcement systems within each city and how they differ. This being probably more of an organic case. And Parkland shooting, you know, it's, it's heavily motivated by people that are uh, the garters of the information of the case. You know, releasing that footage would mean everything. Releasing, for instance, um, I know that they, they said that there was this uh, narrative that they were toting of the Uber driver that dropped off uh, Nicholas. And, you know, where's corroboration of that evidence? I know from being a former Uber driver that every... Every single uh, person that works with our customer service can pull up every single trip if there's ever issues with the trip. So why hasn't Uber made a statement to release a screenshot showing that this is the case? Because it's not there. And ultimately, when, when, when people don't want to show the evidence but want to make claims, they're ultimately trying to just steer the narrative a certain way and, you know, until a judge has ordered such opposite to happen, which I just found interesting in, in, it, in contrast. You're you're on the money there, and it's amazing to me. You know, j- just over the last how many months, uh, Las Vegas shooting. Where, where where's the where are the surveillance videotapes? The Parkland shooting. Exactly. You know, there's there's uh, the other. You know, yeah. There's so many examples here, and 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 every single one of these. Well, with the exception, perhaps, of Las Vegas, it, it's the reaction is always the same from the liberal fascists. It's go after the guns. You know, who needs an AR-15 to hunt? Their their uh, straw man arguments. They're they're wrong. They're they're incorrect. Uh, but the outcome ultimately is the same, or or at least the the intent's the same, and that, that's to disarm the Americans. And isn't it interesting as well? Um, when we, you talk about you, you mentioned David Hogg, for example. Anyone who would speak out against Hogg is bullying, and of course, you've got to be censored, and that's a First Amendment issue about the Second Amendment cause or the Second Amendment. Oh, for so, sure, you know, for so, sure. I mean, and it's I, all it's all interrelated. Go ahead, sir. I was just going to say, I also just got off a panel with um, the great Victorus Libertas with about eight or nine other people, and we actually had a couple of those people that had their channels removed because of talking about David Hogg alone. So so depending if you're like me covering, you know, the the lies, the blatant lies of the Las Vegas massacre, and then you get censored three times and your channel gets shut down like I was – or you can simply just talk about David Hogg and the fact that you don't agree with what he's saying, and your channel can get shut down. Exactly, yeah. and, and that, that's well, that's the mode and method 
uh, and motive, uh, of course, is to silence those people who are pro-Second Amendment, pro-Constitution, pro-America, basically. And it's 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 just so convoluted. Go and ahead. And now we see yeah, the, the keywords, like you mentioned, the, the, the word crisis actor. Uh, you know, they, we saw the attack on that where, uh, and I don't know, we haven't had any of our stuff demonetized, but we never uh, had anybody call these, these students crisis actors, but just talking about it is enough to get you banned. Also, we saw recently the ADL you know, and clarify that when you say demonetized. No. Or, uh, it, uh, shut down. Thank censored. you. Thank you. And, All right. Uh, also, last week we saw CNN and the ADL have a discussion, an eight-minute discussion about how the word globalist or, uh, yeah, globalist was a, That's right. a racist, anti-Semitic term. They're starting to, uh, you know, use these right. buzzwords as reasons to censor people and as indicators of who to go after. And I believe you see people like the, the ADLs, the Southern Poverty Law Centers, go on interviews, put these words out there, see how the response is to, you know, uh, what they say. And it also is a indicator for <clears throat> these social media companies to continue to focus on people who use these buzzwords and, and censor their accounts. And it's really frustrating. And, and as you said, you deal with this on a regular basis when you see uh, your stuff being censored, whether it's on YouTube or any social media platform, from the shadow bans to uh, the suspensions. And it's only going to get worse from here, Anthony, and we have to find new ways to, to go about fighting this because at some point we're all going to reach right. the point where we're censored out of existence. Oh, it's it's ridiculous. I mean, part of the reason I was actually banned, like I said, was for the Las Vegas massacre. But that those strikes came, you know, in 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 different times months later so you know the fact that you can produce a video and they're like hey this is great they haven't come after it i haven't done anything anyway wrong but then months later they actually you know come back and say hey this is actually not up to our standards and then they strike it i don't see how people that are content creators anymore on youtube can actually suffice with that as a condition of having their content on youtube i mean it's absolutely ridiculous um all i had my three strikes for on my channel was one for covering the fact that there were furry people in the Paddock family on Facebook and I had gone through their public Facebook profiles, they were not private, and I had shown the fact that there were furry people dressed as little furries um, in the Paddock family. And my second video that was banned was just me commenting on, you know, Eric Paddock, the shooter's, the shooter's brother and his odd behavior, um, and you know, the white ball of something that shot out of his nose. And, you yep. know, the third being the fact that I covered, uh, you know, the Jesus Campos security guard, the guy that had, that had stationed himself guarding the security guard, had no license plate on his car that was on, sitting on the street. And we got that on film. And he had put, you know, he had put a, a, a towel over the license plate and we had got that on film. So it's really simply just YouTube's attempt to combat the alternative media because ultimately those that are the ones that they need to focus on combating are the ones that are have foot on the ground, feet on the ground. They're actually making a difference. They're putting words into actions, um, and they're and they're combating the narrative. And that's why I was removed for just for just speaking out to blatant lies. And, and where have you gone? Where, where can people find you now? Well, now I'm still my biggest platform would be on Twitter at this point. Um, I've decided to move video platforms over to DTube, D.Tube, um, that hosts all their videos on a blockchain. Um, I'm also on BitChute, which is a really great outlet. Um, I'm trying to get more established on Steemit as well, as well as Gab.ai. Um, and, uh, you know, just trying to, trying to rebuild some of those platforms, you know, given the fact that 
you know, 20 to 30 of my videos early on in my, in my channel are just gone. I mean, they're memory hold. I, I didn't myself have a, uh, a backup. I had actually been in the process of initiating one and now I have lost 20 to 30 of my initial research into, uh, Pizzagate and Pedogate. So well, taking that yeah. kind of loss, it's just, you just mm. got to keep moving on. And, yep. uh, yep. ultimately I think the only solution for this, Doug, is, you know, a Project Veritas-esque solution where it's not going to be a litigation on any individual filing for defamation against YouTube. It's going to be it's going to be an antitrust action by the Trump administration. We need that level of coercion to actually rip apart these monopolies, and we need to have that parallel construction of evidence that people like Project Veritas, you know, input and do the work and submit into the 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 world media sphere. So that everyone could have access to such and it can be used in court cases. We need to have damning evidence to take down the people inside these organizations to the point to prove their criminality and not just stick up for our own channels. Exactly. And we are also, in our case, assembling legal teams to go after the people who, um, and there are people who maliciously, uh, they're vexatious in their, um, they're serial stalkers in my view uh they're vexatious to the point where they want to shut you down shut us down and uh they're individuals who based on investigation uh are not who they really claim to be in terms of well i'm just a i'm just a simple you know i'm just a simple person with uh you know just living out in the country with an internet connection and a voice okay well no <laughs> Yeah, right. you know that ain't true. But anyway, I, I digress. By the way, I'm on Gab AI too. Uh, we're getting into that platform as well, Doug Hagman. Awesome. Uh, yeah, it's actually a really good platform since yeah. they've they've put that YouTube uh, uh, competitive video sharing that they have now. So yeah, yeah it, it's actually a, a, a very interesting. Uh, yeah, I, I yeah, I'm just learning about it. My, you know, my daughter's walking me through it. But yeah, look me up. So. On, on gab.ai um, so so good at least it, it, so you're moving forward you're pressing forward pressing pressing on so that's good oh All yeah right. and ultimately there's just too much to focus on with the documentary project I feel like this is just utterly going to consume um, if I tend to my ego about this and, and worry about what my content's going to go on you know from now on and really try to dedicate my time to it that's ultimately their goal when it comes to you know, an intelligence approach of, of countering exactly what I'm trying to expose. So I'm not letting down. I'm going to continue focusing on exactly what I have been doing, and this isn't going to stop anything, whether it be my YouTube content being deleted, my channel deleted, um, you carrying, censoring us and removing our fundraiser. I mean, just things after another, one after another keeps happening, and we just keep moving. Yeah, we have to do that. And absolutely, we have to continue to use... Uh, you know, these times of censorship to find those other uh, ways and methods to get the content out. And, and the content, uh, people are, are going to come to the, they're going to find the truth. They're going to research their way to the truth. They're not going to be stopped just because one outlet like YouTube might censor somebody out of existence on their platform. People will go find uh, the people who they get good, uh, trustworthy content from. And that is true uh, no matter how we do this. But, you know, the censorship battle is just beginning. I imagine at some point here in the near future we're going to be uh, seeing this come at us from another level, from the, you know, ISP level, 
where you know you, we don't want to host your website we don't want to be in business with somebody like you who believes you know x y and z so we're going to uh you know choose not to do that then i think that is coming uh down the pike as we look ahead anthony i want to uh switch gears here i want to ask you something we have not talked about on the show what's going on with a, an executive order by president trump and a venezuelan oil-backed cryptocurrency this is a very interesting story yeah, so that's actually really interesting. First off, first problem I have with that is uh, it's funny how all these states are starting to try to make their mark with competition and make their own cryptocurrencies, which it totally disowns the purpose for the development of cryptocurrency in the first place. I mean, having a state actually being um, the sole um, the the party to actually create and control how it's distributed. Um, it's no different than any other currency that is state-owned and centralized, and it just goes against the every purpose for the development of such um, open-source technology as cryptocurrency. Um, so, yeah, the first issue there I have is with that state-sponsored aspect. Second issue is that Venezuela is also the murder capital of the world. I mean, considering country-wise, they have so much corruption going on there, not alone with, you know, in combination with the socialist policies implemented uh, by Maduro, I mean, in combination with that and the cartel activity and the 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 very little amount of food that is now available there on the shelves for the populace, it's like, how could you even begin to be getting involved in a Venezuelan-sponsored cryptocurrency when we go, we know good and well that part of you know the sad part of the cryptocurrency realm is that a lot of assets that were that were uh, profited from illegal activities such as human rights abuse can be stuffed into cryptocurrency. And many times if you're dealing drugs or if you're involved with that, um, there's incentive for you to hide your money in that format, um, especially with it being you know, out of the realm of state control. However, this one is not out of the realm of state control. So I would urge people to realize that. And I find it also really interesting that Trump's previous executive order, um, he in place basically a, you could call it a prosecutorial roadmap um, for those who profit from human rights abuses. And that was interesting because, you know, now he's got another executive order targeting Venezuela and the fact that U.S. citizens cannot, uh, they're blocked from buying the Venezuelan oil-backed cryptocurrency. Um, so I wonder, this is just me conjecture um, or extrapolating here, I wonder if that has to do with some of the profits within that cryptocurrency by the state having to do with human rights abuses, and the very least being the policies that the government actually tries to implement, implement on the people, um, let alone sex trafficking, drug trade, um, everything that has to do with, with human rights abuses. So I'm wondering, is there a connection there? So anybody who bought into this cryptocurrency if they did, is has lost their investment and if they bought into this cryptocurrency specifically. Yeah, I mean, I would I would assume at this point if that executive order has been passed, um, I wouldn't think that there would be some kind of like grandfathering kind of thing done here. Yeah. I think that I think at that point you would probably be highlighted, and if you did not choose to, you know, hand over the asset back, then you would be prosecuted. And, you know, before the law was in place, obviously there's no criminal um, act there because there's no law in place. But, you know, obviously they have to have some level of enforcement to to target what U.S. citizens have already placed um, investments with this cryptocurrency. Okay. 
Yeah, and that that clarifies it better because I have not read the executive order yet myself, but we were talking about this before we went on air, and I said it didn't sound right that they would just outright, uh, you know, not let people at least try to uh, recover their money. But uh, that's very interesting, and uh, you know, the, the, we see the as much as uh, Bitcoin has been out of the news recently, that the cryptocurrency market has been in a uh, has been increasing. And the the people who are getting involved, whether creating the cryptocurrencies or purchasing the cryptocurrencies, are not going away. And this does not seem to be a dying industry. Anthony, we're out of time. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, the Liberty columnist, Anthony Cordonega, thank you so much. You have a, a great evening, and we'll definitely have you back soon. Absolutely. You guys, too. Have a good one. Don't forget the Help Anthony Out with the documentary Kids, Inc., and uh, we will be back with Stan Dale after this. Tuesday edition of the Hagman Report on this first day of spring. Today, first day of spring. All right, and uh, we have Stan Dale with us. You gotta, if you're gonna jump in, you should turn on the mic there, old man. Now, Stan Dale joins us each and every Tuesday in hour number three. You can go to his website, standale.com. There, click the show images page on uh, just under the microphone on the right hand side, and click on Hagman Report, and you can follow along with what Stan has put together for the show each week. Stan, it's great to have you back on. No shortage of things to talk about in the news today. I know. It's a very busy news cycle. And if you live in Texas, you're probably hunkered down somewhere hoping it doesn't get you next. Yeah, do you see that? just went off. Yeah, Goodwill store. And uh, there's reports that another uh, suspicious package is at that location, but they don't know if it's related or not. Stan, what do you make of this? Uh, I mean, we've seen so much on this today. Is this guy just evolving this quickly, or is this all part of a, a larger plan you think that was set in motion uh, days ago, or, or even longer? Well, it could have been. In fact, I'm, I'm sure it was set in motion, or at least planned and organized, uh, you know, sometime before, because there have been some very clever things they've done with the triggering mechanisms. But um, um, for the one that was triggered by the bike, the bikers coming by, you know, and, and hitting the tripwire. That would probably have to have been done fairly recently, today or something. But, you know, how does this guy get up there and do that or to all these locations and not get picked up on video surveillance somewhere? Um, there's so many pieces of uh, video evidence at the moment that the, the authorities are, you know, putting a team together. Well, they've got the team together. They're all working day and night going over these videos to try to correlate people that are in the same, you know, in all the videos at the same person. Um, you know, I don't envy them the task, but now it might be several people. You know, it might be a group. It might be a terrorist attack. It might be some other uh, thing trying to have a, you know an end run uh, for the game. Something else we're not even aware of yet. I don't know. It's just it's just very puzzling. Yeah, it's a it's a very troubling uh, situation that is uh, going on in Texas, as we've seen. I don't know what it, today. This is uh, the third device just today that has been second detonated third that has been captured and um it seems like this uh this bomber is uh very determined as you said and they 
have reports that they're looking through the security footage that he may have been caught dropping the packages off on tape. And we've seen reports of over 500 agents there from the ATF and FBI. So certainly, uh, you know, they are uh, doing what they can to track this guy down. And I guess it all boils down to this man's level of organization and what his uh, motivations are as far as how long this continues. But uh, just from what we've seen today, it's very troubling to see the escalation uh, that we've seen. It's just one of many things in the news that are quite troubling today. Um, if you looked at our homepage here at standale.com with the stuff that Holly's put up today. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, just so much stuff. One of the main things, Stan, we want to talk to you about is obviously the Saudi Arabian prince and the uh, what we're being told about a, a peace deal, a possible peace deal, as this guy Man. is. Yeah. Um, as you said, as it rise to power, took over, consolidating power, and now um, we Jared, see Jared Kushner's uh, relationship, as you said, you know, yeah, the whole thing. Well, yeah, that is kind of foremost on my plate over here. I mean, the, the other stories I've got up are kind of sort of related, but uh, what uh, this guy, Mohammed bin Salman, is doing is definitely something that I've been watching for, what, now two years. Um, in that. 2016, I think it was, yeah, I came out with a public uh, lecture on it up in Colorado Springs telling about watch what the translation of Revelation 13 really means about identifying in the name of the Antichrist of this age. And like everyone else, you know, for years, decades, I've thought, well, okay, it'll be, you know, the, the sum of the letters of his name, but do we use Hebrew or Aramaic or Greek or English language, you know? what language you use to count up the number of the guy's name. And, you know, there have been dozens of candidates from, you know, even Ronald Reagan uh, to Obama and that kind of stuff using that kind of a concept. And I thought, suppose, you know, you know how it is, guys, when you read a a, a, a scripture, a verse, uh, you'll read it this way today and understand it this way today. And two years from now, you'll reread the same thing after you've lived two years and other things have happened in your life, and you'll say, oh, wait a minute, I can look at this verse a different way, you know? Maybe this is what they meant. So that moment happened to me a couple of years back, and I looked at Revelation 13, and I thought, right, suppose this, you know, as I've explained on the show, suppose this information is more about mm, the Bible translating itself rather than, you know, us adding up somebody's name. It, the, the, the prophecies in the Bible with the kind of um, coded parts of them can be and usually are uh, translated by the Bible itself, whether it be Old or New Testament or both. Now, you know, on our show images page, uh, if you look at um, slide 11, I've got Revelation 13, 18 in there. It's only what, a couple of lines. I'll, I'll read it one more time. Here is wisdom from the King James Version. Let him that has understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. And his number is 600, three score, and six. Okay. The letters I put in in red were what gave me a clue when I looked at this, you know, again, in a different set of eyes. Here, in this place, is that here in the Bible? Here in the Scripture? And wisdom. Okay, in the Bible, where is wisdom? So I tracked down, the, you know, the, the use of wisdom, okay, the words. And then it says the number of the beast is the number of a man. What number in the Bible who was wise and had the number 600, three score and six, or 666? 
Cullen. Now, you know, racing forward now for two years, off and on in your show, I've been talking to you about, watch this uh, young fellow, Prince Mohammed bin Salman, over in Saudi Arabia. Well, in the last, what would have been the last three months, this guy has absolutely taken control of the country of Saudi Arabia, even though he's not officially the king yet, his father's still alive. This young fellow has just like a, like a rocket risen to the top and is the most feared man on the planet at the moment as far as what he's going to do. He's, he's unpredictable. Now, here he is in the White House, you know, going to be meeting with our president, or his meeting, uh, discussing things to do with war in the Middle East and with the United States supporting Saudi Arabia and him, in essence, against Iran. Well, we know that President Trump is wanting to get rid of the Iranian agreement. Well, the Saudis, and now the leader of the Saudis, uh, young Prince Mohammed bin Salman, let's just call him MBS, it's easier. Uh, his name is Solomon. Uh, in the Arabic uh, dialect, uh, Solomon, S-A-L-M-A-N, is the way the Middle East name that the uh, character of history, King Solomon, Solomon, Malik Solomon. And so here he is. His name is Solomon. He's very wealthy, extremely wealthy. He has power. Uh, it, it, in fact, it's growing by day. And he's over here not only talking arms deals with President Trump and agreements on how to handle Iran, He's also um, uh, releasing the uh, initial uh, you know, offering of his uh, uh, Saudi um, investment fund, and he's putting up, I think, 5% of Aramco, they're the American Arab oil company, for which is worth about $2 trillion according to you know common belief, anyway. I don't think it's worth that much, but anyway, it's worth that much, and he's going to raise you know $100 million to start with, and wants other people to invest in this IPO to help him do what he has planned for not only Saudi Arabia, the whole region and possibly the world. This boy has no kind of limit on his ambition. And uh, what is he, 32, going on 33 now? Uh, he, You know, for my slide 13, where I, I give all the things about the, the six major candidates for Antichrist of this time, he is the lead by far, as we talked about last week. All the boxes are checked for him. It, there's nothing left for him to do except ratify the peace treaty. What peace treaty between Israel and the many nations? Uh, there's no treaty like that. Right. What are they discussing now behind the scenes in the White House and in the in uh, Israel and, and uh, Saudi Arabia and I think the other country is the uh, uh, Arab Emirates. Um, and what are they talking about? It's how to move the Palestinians from the from the strip where they are. They're in the Gaza Strip closer to Egypt into the Egyptian property rather you know territory and part of them over to Jordan rather than let them stay there uh, in Israel and be a thorn in the side to peace now so Mohammed bin Salman MBS he is working with President Trump and their their agents between them you know, like Jared Kushner or whatever to bring about an agreement between the many nations and Israel to have peace in the Middle East now for people that study history, the the uh, Saudis have been the enemy of Israel for over 3,000 years. And they haven't been too kind to us either, uh, in spite of all the deals that the, you know, the, the deep state has made with them, you know, since 9-11, uh, in fact, even before that. Why is he suddenly so friendly after 3,000 years? This guy is a master chess poker player. He's 
he's courting uh, President Trump in the United States. He's courting Israel. He's courting Egypt, Jordan. He's courting all these nations into his view for making peace in the Middle East. But he's got a long game. And his long game, um, I'm just going to guess at this moment, is to um, gain the trust of all the nations by flatteries and by peaceful means until he controls the planet in a new world organization. Now, when he, uh, if he does, if he is the guy, the prince, as it says in Daniel, if he is the prince that ratifies a peace agreement between Israel and many nations, then he is identified to all of us that are looking for the clue as the Antichrist of this age, the first beast in Revelation. Now, according to Paul in the New Testament, in his discussion with the Thessalonians, they were panicked that the rapture had come and they'd missed it. And Paul gives them a clue, and us. He says, oh, wait a minute, what are you worried about? Has, has the Antichrist appeared yet? Oh, well, if you haven't seen the Antichrist, if he hasn't been revealed yet, don't worry about it. Because if you see that, then, yeah, you did miss the boat. Now, you know, I, I know that uh, you guys and a lot of other uh, evangelical uh, students disagree with me and say that you don't think that the rapture is going to occur at the beginning of the, of the tribulation period of seven years. That's fine. But as far as identifying the man of sin, he, he will be identified as a prince ratifying a peace treaty like this, or peace agreement. Um, the Saudis and MBS, in essence, are funding hundreds of millions of dollars toward relocating the Palestinian people, which is not really a country, but a group of people. And the Bible does say that the Antichrist will come to power with the help of a small people, not a nation, a small people, and that is exactly what the Palestinian state or, or, or group are. Do, do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, and, and you know, I uh, am very thankful for your analysis of this Saudi prince, as you said, from years ago. You've been talking about this guy for a long time and putting the pieces together, and and for over well over a year when this guy uh, took power and started his, uh, as you said, upward trajectory. And we see uh, that anytime this guy does anything, it makes, you know, the top news headlines. And, and from uh, taking all the, the corruption or, quote-unquote, his corruption purge that he had in Saudi Arabia and, and rounding up a number of people and, and basically taking part of their wealth and keeping them hostage to uh, this move to, uh, you know, this U.S.-Middle East peace process, it is definitely something we need to keep our eye on, especially when we consider what we just talked about in the first hour, Arab Spring, Syria, and all the other events that have taken place over the last few years that also is prophetic in nature. You know, Stan, let me just say one other thing, too. And I never thought that the Antichrist could be Muslim. I thought the lineage wouldn't permit that. But that aside, the other stumbling block I had was that how could the entire world population, whatever, follow uh, or accept the mark, uh, or the, how could the Antichrist be a Muslim and have the popularity? Given, right? The, you know, but, but watching the evolution of Islam and how, I mean, just look at look at the UK, for example. Um, now I get it now. I, I guess, and, and you were the first one ever to point that out on on our program. So thank you for doing that. And yeah, I mean, you're <laughs> you're frighteningly accurate in my view on a number of things. Well, thank you for that, but the good Lord just kind of 
rattles my brain occasionally, you know, when I'm reading stuff or watching something and I put pieces together. Um, uh, you know, I, I have the ability, the God-given ability to take a bunch of facts, all unrelated, uh, videos, books, statements, whatever, throw them into my brain and make order out of them, put, put all the clues together to get the pattern and understand it. Uh, a month or two from now, I might have forgotten all that because it was just for the moment that I put it all together, came to a conclusion that went on. So it's not like uh, photographic memory, remembering, remembering all the details, but that's how it happened. Just I can just throw them into the hopper and out comes a solution. Weird, but that's the way it happens. Um, it's still, things are still being dropped into the solution bucket on MBS and his activities. Um, you know, uh, this guy, he's charming. You watched him probably on the CBS, you know, interview. Um, he's uh, friendly looking. He's not bad to look at, especially when he's got his little headpiece on. He's not quite so um, bald in the front with that uh, headpiece on. Uh, you know, he looks like a young and, and upwardly mobile um, millennial. Oh, worth a few billion dollars. But, you know, all in all, he's uh, very popular for what he's doing. What you know? What does his relationship with Kushner? What does that say more uh, about Kushner and this administration? Given the fact that um, your research is, you know, really suggesting heavily uh, MBS's position in the on the world stage, wouldn't I mean? You can't tell me, or people can't tell me, that's not lost on this administration, or is it? I'm just curious. I, I I think I understand what you're you're hinting at there. Uh, who are his allies, and maybe who will support him after he's wounded or whatever, and you know, and be the second beast. Uh, that's probably what's in the back of your mind, and certainly in mine. Uh, at the moment, uh, I thought that it would, in fact, I have for some months I thought that it would be Erdogan, uh, you know, president of uh, Turkey, but he and Saudi Arabia and hence uh, MBS are at odds with each other. Um, something would have to change where Erdogan would pick up the torch after MBS is wounded and, and uh, can't lead as he's doing now for some reason. Um, gosh, you know, it, MBS is already setting up and investing with a special investment fund to follow into Bitcoin and into blockchain economy for the planet, moving it not only from business-to-business transfers but to individuals where you won't have to have a number to buy or sell. And you mentioned that before. Um, you know, you've got savings. You've got a house. You've got property. We all have some kind of asset, whether it be 10 cents. You know, we have assets that we deal with in exchange for goods and services around us. When this guy, uh, MBS, takes over, and he's already setting up, you know, the, the, the economic structure planet-wide, when he gets that into place and operating, it's going to be mandatory that you convert your assets to the new world digital currency, whatever it is. Uh, and once that happens, your bank account, which used to have, you know, $10 in it, will now have, you know, X number of what's it's the new currency. And if you've got money in the safe or under the mattress, you're going to have to convert that and go down to the bank and convert it into the new thing because the old coinage of whatever country you're in is not going to be legal anymore. In fact, you're going to have um, rules for gold and silver, you know, precious metals and gems and stuff, but you can't trade those uh, unless
unless you have it in a digital form, the asset value. That's what the blockchain does. It keeps track of everyone who's owned that particular piece of gold or whatever uh, and brought it into the system and, and, and had it valued. So why would people take the mark or the number? They would take the ID because if they don't, they will lose all their assets. They will they will be a non-person in the world. They won't have driver's license. You'll know, be able to own a house or rent a house or whatever. They will just be shunned as a non-person and kicked out of the civilization, you know, out to the edges of the city. That's why people will have to make a strong decision at that point. Do we go with him or do we not? You know, and that's going to be a strong motivating force to get people to take that mark. Yeah, and we know the uh, the the battle that that runs up to this, and we've talked about this many times. That uh, you know how will, this is obviously going to be a choice. It's not going to be something like we see. Uh, I don't believe because this is tied into worship stand. And, and when we talk about the the mark, it's important that we talk about this. This it's not something that uh, you know, like getting a debit card or a driver's license. Um, this is going to be something where you are put on the spot with your life on the line and asked to you know worship. Uh, the mark is just a, a a part of the mark of the beast. It's just one aspect of it. The worship, I think, is the uh, most important part. And, it, and it, are people going to are Christians going to turn away and, and uh, forsake the Lord in order to stay alive on this earth a little bit longer? And I think that's one of the big questions and areas of contention that a lot of people, when talking about this issue, uh, fail to get and, into. And, and I think transhumanism has got. It mm-hmm. plays a role. I think all of all of the stuff that we're seeing play, play, plays a role. The technology, transhumanism, and everything Stan said. I mean, it, and Stan is coming so fast, isn't it? <laughs> oh, I agree, Doug. I I get up every morning just eager to see what's happening because it's like a, a serial, you know, uh, play that just keeps on accelerating the the, the intrigue. Um, this guy, I mean, he's not letting grass grow under his feet, is he? <laughs> no, no, and, and if, the, the word breathtaking. I, I never like to use that word, but man, everything that we're seeing, um, it's is breathtaking, and especially this guy. Um, when you first mentioned him, I, you know, I, I, I wonder how many people out there listening right now um, learned about MBS uh, Ben Solomon from Standale. Never heard of him before, but heard Standale mention him. I, I would bet. Ninety percent of the people listening to this program, you introduced this man um, in the capacity in the context to our audience, and, and that, that's not to that's not to say, hey, yay, Stan. It's it's the I don't know. It's 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 a very good analytical. It's a very good analysis of, of world events, current events, and this is why. Uh, this is why you got to listen to what Stan's got to say, and this is why we're glad you're tuning into this program. But, but Stan, I, I didn't mean to yammer on here, so go ahead. Uh, well, no, thank you for that, Doug. Uh, you know, it, as you say, the important thing is, is he the guy that, you know, we've got to watch for? Um, there are subtle things that um, point you to a, a Middle East religion, you know, uh, following or surrounding the Antichrist of this age. One of them is, during the, the tribulation period, the persecuted, uh, you know, Christians and Jews and people who don't want to take the mark or follow him or worship him, the punishment is going to be beheading. Now, that's a particularly frightening and terrible thing, but it is 
the the method of choice to execute people in Saudi Arabia. The Sunnis under the the Saud family execute people by beheading. And if that goes global, you can see how Christians and Jews will be beheaded during the tribulation. It points to that kind of a mindset and a religion. We don't do that in the United States. You don't see beheadings in in European governments in England and stuff like that or in, in Australia. We don't do it that way. But the Middle Eastern mindset does. You, you know and, something, Stan? I, I, if I can just interject something here, and I, I sure. just have to say this. Um, I, I often pondered that, especially after yeah, I was one of the first uh, uh, first entities, agencies, to put up uh, the beheading videos in the Middle East. Right. That, that was appearing. And, of course, I was on Neil, uh, on the, uh, Your World with Neil Cavuto having to explain why I did it. Because, um, to, 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 for example, for someone to say... Uh, Daniel Pearl, for example, was beheaded. Okay, um, it, it has this sanitary appeal to it, or sanitary feel, or uh, it, it's very sanitary uh, sounding. Until you actually see, for example, a decapitation. I, I remember seeing my first decapitation. Look, you see one decapitation, um, which essentially a beheading. You're going to remember that. And uh, the psychological effect it has on someone. Um, if you see it, you'll never forget it. You'll never want to see it again. And uh, I don't know. Uh, the psychological aspect of the beheading is what I'm getting at, I guess. Uh, uh, that would be that would be a convincer for a lot of people, I think, um, Christian or not. I, I, that, that's not to downplay the. Or that's not to denigrate Christians or whatever, but it's, I'm just saying, man, you just never forget that, ever. No, it'd be a, a terrible imprint on the brain. I mean, especially when they use a a, a blade to saw the head off rather than just, you know, a guillotine. Right. Um, people tend to think, oh, well, I guess, you know, it'd be quick. But as you know from some of those videos that, that they uh, made of them, or they, or they took a while to do it, you know, and made the person suffer. So... It's a great deterrent. Yeah, yeah. The psychological impact. I, I mean, to see it, you know, in in, in per, well, I just got to say the psychological imprint impact. Um, wow. Yeah. As opposed to, sorry, but even electrocution or being shot, you know, it, it's just a totally different thing. But anyway. Yep. Wow. Yep. Yeah. Mm. Um, you know, um, I think last week we talked a brief bit about. Um, MBS and his relationship to his wife and to his mother. Now, why, two years ago, why did he take his mother and hide her somewhere away from his father, the king? Now, at the time, MBS was not even in line officially to be the, the new king when his father died. His father's half-brother was, uh, Prince Mohammed bin Nayef. Um, so why did the young prince MBS hide his mother from his father not let him get together what could his mother have told his father that would have prevented his father from letting uh, MBS take the reins of government there's something she knows about him that's important whether it's um, to do with his masculinity whether it's to do with uh, his mindset about where he wants to go and how he has his sights on the world and overthrowing everyone else and changing you know the, the way that the uh, Sunni religion is, is handled in Saudi Arabia whatever it is it was enough for him to, to 
station, you know, in the afternoon after he's finished most of his daily duties, he works until the wee morning hours in his uh, his office, which is, is big and uh, full of all kinds of projects there in the palace. Uh, he's, he's industrious, heading toward the big plan. So we have to wonder, all right, why did he do that? Why, you know, his wife, uh, I don't know where she, I think she's in England now, his ex-wife, and, and their children, again, hid, hidden from the public eye. And on the interview on CBS, he says, I'm not going to talk to you about my personal life. That's off the book. That's off the the access to, to news, media, everybody else. You can talk to me about my business, you know, kingship and all that kind of stuff, but not my personal life. That's a no-no. That's already telling you he's, you know, he's going to keep it private. He's got things to keep away from the press. He doesn't want to deal with that. So, interesting fellow. He's certainly developing a psyche there. You, you know, I read the accounts about his mom and stuff. You know, the first thing, and, and help me out with this. The, the, the honest to goodness, after after listening to you um, talking about him, one of the first things I thought was, or the first things that flashed through my mind was Rosemary's Baby, the film. Okay, yeah. I don't know why. I, you got any thoughts on that, or am I, am I just like I really out to lunch? Yeah, really. Oh, who was his father really? Did his mother really, you know, have an awful a space being or something like that? You know what I'm saying? Oh man, I'm so I'm so glad I'm not the only one. Okay, I I thought no. maybe I, I needed to be like to be medicated or something. Okay, all right. <laughs> well, we'll we'll have adjoining rooms, eh? Hey? <laughs> yeah, um, really. Yeah, I, the the same thought came, and you know, because when I worked with Doctor Teller's group, my my uh, security uh, officer was telling me he said um, that, that we have this base outside of Riyadh in Saudi Arabia down along the, the Jabal Tuwaik mountain range. Um, and it's about 120 kilometers outside of Riyadh. Uh, and at that base is where uh, humans were working in concert with aliens, according to you know what they called them in, in the project, fallen ones. Now, if that's the case, it's only you know 120 kilometers is what, like 60, 70 miles out of town. You know, it's possible that if she, his mother, was to be the, the mother of the Antichrist, that they could have, Impregnator there at the base or, or whatever with this foreign DNA. Um, Very you know, just I know we had the base there and might still be there, but uh, so close to his home and where he was raised, where he was conceived, makes you wonder. Yeah, I, boy, I'm so, I, I was almost. I mean, I was hesitant to mention that, but boy, it does. I, and it's, it's look, I, I can hear people roll, the eyes are rolling back in their head saying, "Oh man," you know, <laughs> but but look. Uh, uh, who would have thought, you know, grown men would be having sex with robots today, for example? I mean, it, it just it's crazy. So don't tell me. Don't roll your eyes at me, guys. But anyway, yeah, it's just You know, it's interesting wrong. about uh, the Antichrist, too, in January. He's talking about that he, he'll, he'll um, what is it, he uh, put himself against the God of gods and uh, the desire of women. And what's the third part? I forget. Um, mm. Above every other god. Now... I looked at that and I thought, all right, he puts himself above the God of gods, above the desire of women, and above every other God. Now, why do we have something to do with a God on the front, the God of gods, and on the tail end, the third thing, uh, every other God? In the middle, we have the desire of women. You know, was it saying that he was going to be a fruitcake or, you know, LBGT or whatever? Or was it saying, as I suspect, that when that was written in Daniel's time, the desire of every Jewish woman was to be the mother of the Messiah, the son of the God of God. So that would mean God, 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 if you look at the three things they're comparing there. So 
you know, is it uh, that he didn't want his mother to tell about the infidelity that caused him to be born, or is it because she caught him, you know, and knows that he's a little bit of a fruitcake, or, or what? I, I know I can't say that, That's, but I, I'm saying it. That's just the way it is. <laughs> Deal with it. Um, <laughs> I was raised go. differently. Amen. Um, so, you know, um, uh, there's so many variables there, but all of them fit. That 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 phrase in Daniel would fit no matter whether it's his sexual orientation or whether it's his, um, you know, they're mentioning that every mother wanted to be the mother of the Messiah, and he puts himself above the Messiah, which would make more sense. Um, so, you know, the clues are there, and they're, they're forming up to what you and I and many of my generation are uh, able to see and refer back to from our culture. Uh, Stan, what is the uh, what is his mission while here in the U.S.? Is it just a, a PR campaign? Is no. it? Do we know is a part of this peace process? What What is his specific mission? There are several reasons for his visit that are in the press. This is not just a, a guess. Uh, first of all, I know that he has a cousin up here in in, in Aspen, in uh, or close to Aspen, uh, in Colorado, where he used to come over and ski and and uh, and do rafting, whitewater rafting, things like that. So he has a you know a relationship with a number of people, personal relationship in this country, his friends and whatever. His visit now is uh, number one to sense the deal with uh, the weapons exchange and purchasing you know giving a ten billion dollar contract to the uh, various aerospace uh, companies, which that was part of the the thing they showed on the news with the little um, oh poster board that uh, President Trump held up showing what things they were going to uh, make for them. Uh, you know, the, the prince is going to give an order for that. Then the prince was also trying to negotiate with the, the Trump administration for nuclear weapons to defend himself against Iran because they've now got the bomb or they're very close to it and he wants to be having the best atomic technology rather than just the Pakistanis who he's allied with as well. And that's another reason for the visit. And the third reason was he was trying to uh, drum up interest in his investment fund, you know, where he put up 5% of Aramco as the equity in it, to uh, do his other grand plans as far as a global economic system and as far as relocating the Palestinian Authority and its people to some other place to make peace in the Middle East. And also, of course, to do face-to-face off-the-record discussions with President Trump and members of his administration and, you know, also his son-in-law, Jared Kushner, and all the players in that uh, peace negotiation process that's going on now. Um, what else was he doing? Where is his mother hidden? Is she here in the United States? Was he going to go check in on mommy? I don't know. But, you know, all these factors you can look at in the press and see that they are part of this visit, except for the visiting his mom. We're not sure whether he's doing that now or not. CIA had rumors about that some time back. Um, <laughs> he's He is just making setting the stage on a global basis for his rise to power. Uh, just, I can't see it any other way. Well, yeah. you're, you're 100% accurate. Uh, the, 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 the more every day that goes on in the headlines, uh, it's almost as if three, four, five weeks ago, even months ago, you mentioned this, you mentioned what he's doing and it's on drudge now. So you're ahead of the curve on this and uh, I so wish you were wrong, but, you know. It's like uh, you're sitting on top of a, 
of a block of burned granite or something next to where a library used to be before the bombs fell, and you're saying, I told you so. I was <laughs> right. <laughs> Big deal. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah so. I know I laugh, but that's, that's serious. Yeah, man, it is, and, and it's a, it's amazing how many. By the way, I just wanted to just say that the response we're getting from today's program, uh, this broadcast, this specific topic is off the charts. So a lot of people paying attention. All right. Uh, did you happen to catch slide forty-seven about uh, the uh, officialdom of uh, Washington? It's in the Washington Examiner are flocking to doomsday shelters and camps. I saw that headline. I did not read that. I'm, I'll open it up now. I did read about the birds on uh, the, the uh, interesting what's going on in Oregon. Oregon. But um, official Washington flocking to doomsday camps, building a network of doomsday camps around the country, are pulling in members from affluent areas, even Washington. National security officials as the threat grow from nuclear war and EMP or virus attack. Very interesting. So Yeah, hmm. that's, main, that's front line news there. That's not me trying to get you to buy an EMP shield. That's the front news, how important it is. And these guys that they're talking about are coming to private uh, contractors that build bunkers. And so they're not even, you know, these people that are coming to order are like Air Force and intelligence agency people, all the three-letter agencies. They're coming out to build their own in case they're not put in the list to go into or can't make it to the uh, contingency government sites that are already built, like, you know, probably one here or two in uh, Colorado at you know, underneath uh, Cheyenne Mountain or something, or the Denver airport, there's a number of places have been suspected. But, you know, it tells you that it must be close, that they're out there trying to buy these shelters now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Back in the Cuban Missile Crisis, we saw the same thing where uh, members of government were actually uh, meeting others in the in sporting stores, uh, sporting goods stores, when they were buying uh, preps. There were their preps out there. Uh, during the Cuban Missile Crisis, uh, I remember that, um, or not, obviously, I remember reading about that and seeing that on, on documentaries, but wow, yeah, it's, hey, EMP Shield, by the way, go to HagmanReport.com, click on the link for your EMP Shield, um, it's there, and, and it's a it's a great investment for everyone, it's affordable, and it just makes sense, so. Yes, do that, do that, I... You know, I, I wonder, with the uh, when I was down in Australia back in 19, uh, about 74, yeah, 74, 73, 74, 74, in Adelaide in South Australia, I chanced across a building there that was kind of adobe colored and about oh, 10 stories high, and it was the headquarters of something called the Finance Corporation of Australia, like a credit card company, right? Now... There was only one row of windows in the entire building up on the sixth floor, and they were—they had, like, metal shields raised up instead of blinds. These shields stood out and could be closed down to mean that gas, bombs, nothing else could get through. And, you know, immediately, back in 74, you know, I thought, well, this is not right. This is part of what I'd heard that was going to be done for this global money system. So I thought... I'll go in there. I know that I see people coming and going there, and they have computers in the building. Um, I found where the the secretaries and people went to lunch, not too far down the street every day. They would come out this one entry, you know, and go to lunch, come back, and then they'd all have to go through, and the guards would have to check their ID and, and, and let them in and go back to their job. So I thought, I'll put on a suit, and uh, I'd gotten my information 
camera didn't see my face. Uh, you know, I was just in a, a gaggle of them and my head was down. Got in the building and was heading for the elevator and almost got there before the, the guard caught me. And he pulled me aside and said, oh, can I help you? And I said, oh, well, yes, I'm going up to interview for a job here. He said, who sent you? I said, oh, no one. I just heard about the university. Went through the normal routine. And he says, no, we don't have to wait here. I have to check on that. Uh, you can't go upstairs yet. And I said, well, fine. So I was then put over into the guard room, which was, you know, glass and, uh, you know, shielding and stuff like that. And there was a guard sitting there and gun and all that kind of stuff. And so while the other guy went upstairs to check see whether I could come up and interview for the job, I was talking to the guard there. And I noticed there was a doorway next to his booth that went down the stairs downstairs. And I said, boy, this place is uh, pretty secure. And he, and he looked at me kind of, you know, hard-like, and he said, yeah, what's it to you? And I said, oh, well, I just thought it was unusual. There are no windows in here or anything like that. And he says, hey, we can board this place up, and we can be here for months without ever going outside. All of our staff here, we can bunker down downstairs. we got beds and bedrooms. And he just started on a roll bragging, and I just let him roll. And he said, yeah, we got bulletproof you know, shields for the windows. we got computers all over the place, and we're hooked into a whole network on the planet of about 160 IBM computers back-to-back. And every day we dump our data from all the credit card sales into that. This was 1974 now, Doug. And uh, he'd been drawing uh, you know, a piece of artwork in, in uh, pencil uh, on his uh, pad there where he was sitting in the guard shack in the guard room. And it was a picture of a guy in a uniform with a hat and, you know, uh, kind of like him, but not you know, the same drab uniform he had. It was all kind of spiff-looking. In fact, it reminded me very much of what the SS, you know, Nazi officers used to wear. It was that kind of shape and and uh, kind of feel. And I said, oh, what's that? And he says, oh, that's our new uniforms. And so, you know, there were so many alarm bells going off in my mind, I wasn't even sure they were going to let me out of the yeah. building after he told me all that stuff. But it's in incredible. 1974, I saw the beginning of this at that time. And just for those people who need to do the math, that's forty-four years ago. So, yeah, and well. they were—they—they they weren't going to build bunkers. They already had them underneath the building. So after forty-four years, how many other things? And after developing tunneling technology and all that kind of stuff, how many other places are built for these people? You'll never. And I said to him, I said to him, why are you are you so secure? He says, well. You never know. People get upset sometimes. They they want to storm the, the credit card company or the bank, so we're just protecting ourselves. This is another reason that the three-letter agency people are going out for their bunkers now is because when the population becomes unhappy, and I think it mentions this in the article, when they become unhappy, they're going to go after the officialdom. They're going to go after who they thought was responsible at all. That's why they're building their own personal bunkers to get ready to hide from us. Mm. When the chaos starts, and, and chaos is the key word here. I think um, that, that that's that's what we're seeing. That that's the theme that we've been seeing. Um, the intentional chaos, especially with this last presidential election, it's it's if it's not actual active measures, shall we say, it's the uh, uh, propagation of the optical. It, well, I'll tell you what. I, I turned in. I, I happened to tune on, uh, tune into. Uh, uh, I think it was MSNBC back, uh, just momentarily today, uh, as I was going through different channels, and, and they said, uh, 
there, there's so much chaos at the White House. Really, well, you know, uh, but they're pushing this chaos line. The, this that everything is in chaos, whether it's real or not. They're, that's what they're pushing. So, yeah, uh, okay. You think that's bad? You, I guess you've been keeping track of the news that Murdoch is going to return to his son, the left winger, take over. Uh, you know, yeah. Fox News. Yeah, we talked this about that has last got to night. Be a worry. Yes. Yeah, and and people that you know, Stan, it's interesting because people say, "Well, that's just cable news," and no one pays attention to that anyway. But uh-huh. yeah, you, you bring this up at a very good time. We well, talked about this yesterday. Yeah, I mean that's kind of one of our our la- probably the major last resource we had for somewhat uh, conservative and accurate news. You know, um, so when that goes. What do we do? Listen to blog uh, blogs that are set up by the former uh, reporters that used to work for Murdoch. Uh, mm. You know, I that's just really adding to the chaos when you've got all left wing, all one source, and there's no fair and balanced news. Then that's right, along with the censorship uh, issue to attempt to shut up the people who are attempting to expose the criminality of the government citing First Amendment issues and, of course, symbiotic or, or uh, in relationship with that, the assault against the Second Amendment. So we are we are seeing, uh, watching a very rapid decline of, of things take place right now. Hmm. I know, I know. Um, you can see there, one of the slides I've got there uh, about the um, uh, Israelis or Israel and the United States doing joint preparations for war against Iran. I mean, that's just openly being stated now. And we know that that doesn't happen like, you know, in a week or a day. These things are planned months and years ahead of time. But now that they're telling us about it, they're probably already way beyond the preparation, uh, you know, that they're talking about there with this Iranian offensive. Um, So it's another reason for you to think very carefully about, you know, protecting your loved ones and preparing for loss of services of food and water, shelter, and that kind of stuff. And your EMP shield, like you were talking about, people that have got backup generators and solar power and stuff, they need to protect those because even though you've got it, if it doesn't work because it's been shorted out by an EMP pulse, you're out of luck. You know, mm-hmm. we need those kind of things. Um, but anyway, just, you know, you, if you, if you uh, do look at that slide there and go to that story, um, my computer just froze, so I can't tell you the exact uh, slide number. But um, anyway, uh, um, that's that's what mm. you need to do. Now, uh, notice 46, something else. By the way, slide Sorry, forty-six again. to those. Uh, slide forty-six to those who are following on on YouTube right, and right. listening. Okay. Yeah, my computer's getting old and tired, and it hangs up a lot here. I'm going to have to do something drastic, like get a new one and a new system one of these days when I get rich. Um, <laughs> anyway, yeah. Um, in the um, slide 44, um, the Sanhedrin, the Jewish uh, like religious body, are asking the Arabs, inviting the Arabs to join in building the third temple. You know, uh, it will be the Temple of Solomon. That's why the Arabs will do it because they revere Solomon, and uh, you know, as opposed to to Herod's temple, and. Um, if they're getting this serious, we know they've made all the, the Israelis have made all the artifacts they need to to put in the third temple. Uh, in the drawing that they show of where it will be,
specifically in this article, um, which just published yesterday, um, it shows that they're going to build the third temple, and it looks like it's the Solomon's Temple to me because it's a smaller one, on the southeast corner of the Temple Mount. Now, eh, that might be where they're telling everybody they want to build it, but I'm wondering if they'll slip it across the wall because they're right next to where the real Temple of Solomon was built and destroyed off the off the Temple Mount, but just down where, if you look in that picture, it says share on Twitter. You see that, that lettering there? Right underneath the word share is the district of Ophel, O-F-E-L, and that's where the the tunnels and the artifacts and many other, many other things that determine where the Temple of Solomon was are found, and they've been excavating that for several years now, then and getting closer and closer to finding the you know, the root cellar, in essence, of Solomon's Temple. And that's probably where they will build it, to be accurate. Um, but whether it's there up in that corner of the Temple Mount, uh, at this point, is academic. Um, Mount Moriah is not where they're showing it there, where that, that temple is. So if they're truly accurate when they rebuild the Third Temple, that's where they'll put it. And that is part of the first things that happened in the first three and a half years of the of the seven-year tribulation period. I mean, these people that study prophecy already know this. People that are just going to church and reading the odd scripture and whatever, listen to the sermons and go home, are going to miss it if they don't put all this together and see how close, like in days and hours, we are to everything starting to happen that's been prophesied for thousands of years. Yeah, and it's uh, all coming in, and it's all coming together. Even just what we've talked about since you've been on the show, Stan, from the the Prince uh, Ben Solomon to the the temple. I mean, that would fit right in with everything that you've been talking about today. And, and Stan, let me ask a question. Um, if uh, what do you say to people who say, "Well, you know, all this information, it's all fine, it's all well, it's all good." But you really don't need this information. All you need to do is just keep your head in, in the Bible. Now, I agree with the latter part, but not to the exclusion of the former. But what, what do you say to people like that? Well, I have to think about that because I haven't met many people like that. But um, the uh, if you're truly a Christian and a student of the Scriptures and uh, believe in your heart and follow Jesus as your Messiah, then you are told to read and prove yourself worthy to be a servant, you know, to study his word and know these things are coming, not to change him, you know, but to understand them and to share with the people who uh, haven't seen the, the, the clues that were left for this time so that they might be saved as well. So it's really your job to read, know about it, and to share that information with people who have not yet been saved. Um, so I, you know, That's right. to me, the current events are like a, a proof map of, of the righteousness of the scriptures, the accuracy of them, and that's why you use it as a template to witness to people. Um, yeah, that would be my answer to them. And, and thank you, because to, to me, feeling feeling like I described, or, or at least professing to feel that way, is is really a kind of a very selfish. Uh, it's selfish on a number of levels. I understand. I understand. The need or the desire to, to to do that, but I I also understand that the the need that um, we need to share this information as we develop it in in, in our Christian walk. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, in the other parts of the world, in the in the third world countries, in the Middle East, whatever, in Africa, 
people who profess uh, Jesus as their Messiah are being raped, murdered, uh, tortured, uh, oppressed, you know, um, and here we can say, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian today, that's cool, and, you know, I went to church Sunday, and, you know, I went to Bible study on Wednesday, and that's it. You know, we don't have those kind of pressures that are life and death pressures that the other countries have, at the moment anyway. Um, and so it, it lulls us into this, you know, kind of la-la existence, and it's going to be a, a rude awakening for some Christians that haven't been doing their part in the war. We are at war against the agents of chaos on this planet. Amen to that. Yep, you got that right. Stan, we only have a, a few minutes left, about eight, uh, seven minutes left, six minutes left. What I read this post on, that you have on your website about what is happening in Oregon, and I always find uh, every time the season changes, we I, I do read things where people will put together stories of how their flowers are blooming early or how the, the their beehives don't have any bees in them. And, uh, you know, we see this stuff. I see it just about every every six months. Uh, the leaves are, are turning too early or they're not turning in early enough. But this uh, is, is well put together. It's a piece, Something's Not Right in Southern Oregon, and it deals, uh, it's by a Carl Worden, and it deals with a, a farm that he lives on and how his hummingbirds are disappearing. Any reason why we'd see uh, this strange behavior with the birds in the Pacific Northwest? Well, we well, you know, uh, we have uh, hummingbirds and swallows where we are here at, or in Colorado as well. And I noticed that they uh, they tend to uh, follow the temperatures uh, and obviously the food sources as well. Um, now, the weather changes in uh, Oregon and Washington State, I'm sure, would be affecting the uh, the uh, animals. Either magnetically or uh, temperature-wise, or whatever. But we know that temperatures are, are really kind of screwy on the, the planet, particularly the northern hemisphere at the moment. As I've been discussing for two years on your show, the, there's a magnetic north pole uh, up at the North Pole that is drifting. It's it's wobbling, and it's deviating at twice the speed uh, that the South Pole is. And NASA has shown that we have at least two, maybe three pairs of north-south magnetic fields rolling around inside the planet in the core there, and they've got to get all organized, and, uh, they, you know, they're interacting with each other. Now, in slide 49 and 50 on the uh, show images page, I link to um, Dr. William Mount's discussion on uh, the North Pole and how it uh, it had a 43-degree Fahrenheit temperature, which is anomalous. It's the third year in a row a third winter in a row that they've had these high temperatures there in the North Pole. Now, why? Now, you know, is it uh, due to the magnetic pole deviation? Is it due to um, something happening in the core of the planet? You know, I've discussed the, the gravitational fields and how periodically I think they release heat through the poles. And certainly the South Pole has been experiencing that in some parts of it, even though other parts of the South Pole are freezing again, you know, adding more ice. Other parts are breaking up and melting, and so we see a similar thing in the North Pole, but this is more drastic in that it's warm, like a lot warmer than the South Pole in these areas. So why is that happening? Um, I think that planets, in my in my view of the way things work in the heavens, and by the way, I got that um, when I had my near-death experience. Uh, when I was out there, I asked, can I know how everything out here works? As a physicist, I was curious as to how planets and stars and galaxies work. And I was shown these things. It's all like fluids and spinning vortices and fluids. 
but these things run down. It's like when you stir a glass of water and take your spoon out. It'll be a vortex for a while, then slow down, slow down, and eventually it'll go back to the flat glass of water you know, on the top, and nothing's happening. And in the universe, galaxies, stars, planets, moons, all these things are collections of atoms that are forced together by a fluid spin and a fluid of space that you can't see or feel with your hands. Now, planets run down. They eventually grow cold and freeze. You know, their core becomes crystalline and not molten. Stars age and uh, go red giant usually and then blow up and are gone. Or they collapse into a super dense, uh, you know, uh, magnet, magnetic star or black holes, this kind of stuff, where they collect other stars around them. So the universe is in change, as God put it in motion. Our planet is slowing down. Its core is cooling down. Our magnetic field is weakening rapidly. Now we're at the end uh, of this long period where we have the North Pole, where it is sort of at the moment, magnetic pole anyway. And it's weakening to the point that in like at 545, I talk about the crack that opened up in the Earth's magnetic field over the last few days, uh, March 18th and before, allowing huge amounts of solar wind to get through the magnetic field and into our weather system. As our field, our magnetic field continues to weaken, and as the sun continues to not emit, um, you know, uh, heavy solar wind in the areas where it should to shield us from cosmic radiation, our planet's weather is going to be in chaos, in turmoil, because the heating and the electric uh, charge that come in through these cracks in our magnetic field are becoming more and more dense, more rapid, more frequent, in other words, and this is affecting the changes I think we're seeing, and it's going to get so bad that we're going to see hurricanes over land that don't run out. We're going to see uh, microbursts drop down out of the clouds and very cold downdrafts that freeze and, and, and chop off trees and knock down houses. Uh, super droughts. You know, we're going to see all these extremes all over the planet in places they haven't normally occurred because of this. Okay. Man. It's uh, in Nor'easters, right. by the way, but <laughs> throw that in there as, a, uh, as an aside, but you know, uh, True. and Stan, True. we only have a, a, about a minute left. I don't know if you saw the or have any uh, opinions on what, what they're calling an atmospheric river that's supposed to hit California the end of this week and bring lots of potential for flash floods and some very heavy floods there. Well, um, again, I would probably relate this to these changes. I know that offshore um, of uh, California, there is a a a vortex of sort going on right now. Um, I'm just looking at uh, the uh, uh, earthnullschool.net um, mm-hmm. wind map, and you can have that forecasted ahead. And uh, just looking at it, it does show that there is a pattern that's going to hit in the next week. Uh, Northern California and uh, Oregon, that area, uh, at, at ground level, I can see that. And if I go to the jet stream at uh, 250, 50 hectopascals, I'm looking at it here, there is a ribbon of, you know, high winds uh, that's coming straight through California and the Baja as well. You can look, if you look at that uh, map and, yeah. and click uh, the 24th of March, you know, we're just did that where it says control, the control line there, and look at the double arrows on the right, go ahead, uh, click ahead to the 24th of March, and you'll see that developing there. Yeah, it's something we're going to keep our eyes on as uh, 
that is a, uh, an area very uh, prone to floods and huge mudslides. So, Stan, we, you've taken us to the end of the show. The so much going on. We are uh, out of time. Thank you so much for joining us, and uh, you keep up the great research and work. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Lord willing, I'll see you next week. All right. All right. God That'll bless you, my friend. Tonight. God bless you. Have a great Bye-bye. night, everyone. All right.